Got the beautiful red. I've got a local Texas beer here. Wow! Look at that shit. Oh, welcome to talking during movies, my friend. How have you been? How's yeah. life? Yeah. Hold on, Let me move all this. Now, hold on. Was there a URL thing I had to click on for the movie? It was right below the Zoom. I know. Do I need that? How do I? Like, no, you on. don't have to. You don't have to if you don't want to. Don't worry about it. We're oh, just gonna yeah. talk. We're gonna Wait. talk. Don't worry about it. It's going to play silently in the background. We're going to talk. I'll reference it a couple of times, but we're just going to have a good conversation here, man. It's going to be fun. Um, you see me okay? Good. I see you great. You got, you, got the, the, you got the dark wood. You got the elegant yeah. office there. Look at this. It all <laughs> <happens> here. <laughs> That's no, where the no, deals no. get done, my man. The whole view. Hold on. Hold on. I'll give you the view of it. So you see, this, was my, this is my favorite room. So I got a done. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's try smoking good stiff. Have it smoking good cigar and have a stiff drink. And if that doesn't work, have another. And I get the grandfather clock over here. I got everything. I got it all over here. This is Dude, this keeps me happy. That's this a beautiful is where I am though. I'm down here now because of all this. Hold on. How do I do? Oh, what did I do? Hold on. <laughs> You're Hold good. on. I screwed it up. Hold on. Give me a minute. Don't just wait. How, what do I do? I don't know. You're fine. I'm still. I'm still see you. You're still recording. You're good. Yeah. All right, we're good. You still see me? Yeah, you're good. Your voice is good. Everything's great. I can't see me, but I gotta see me. So this way, I see how bad I look. <laughs> All right, good. We're in. Perfect. So, talk to me. How are things with you? What have you been doing with yourself? That's a great question. Uh, you know, besides this kind of chaos and nonsense, folks, if you're chiming in uh, and you want to watch this movie while we're talking, uh, we're we'll, real we'll quick. Kind of down. 15, 16, 17, 18. 19, 20, there's your five second countdown. And it's a Martin Scorsese picture. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Jason Nappy picked out the often copied, never duplicated, classic Goodfellas. One of the what best. a classic it is. Well, it's one of the best, absolutely. Uh, how are we doing? We're doing good. Listen, we're better than most. We got food, we got love, we got laughs. That's, you know, I'm already ahead of the game right there, so. I think I've worn non-stretchy pants maybe three times since this all started. How many Zoom meetings I've done with just, <laughs> with just a nice shirt on and either nothing or my Hanes. That's it. Yeah. I was in, I did a, I did a Zoom meeting the other day. Nice shirt on, jacket, board shorts. <laughs> just in the office. They're like, nice cool. office. I'm like, guys, come on, man. Let's do some business. Let's get this done. Get done. Rip the jacket off, the shirt off, go jump in the pool with the kid, call it a day. Good night. 
Good night. See ya. <laughs> it's crazy, man. This is, this is, it's, it's insane. Uh, how's, you know, you've got a daughter. She's going to, she's in college, right? Or is she going to college? Yeah. She's in uh, University of Delaware. That's right. The second semester, which means that she was home too long. She was home way too long. Okay. <laughs> and this whole COVID thing, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing my wife blinking. I mean, it's a lot of fun. The dog is even annoying me. Okay. Everyone's annoying me. I, I just got to get out. But the good thing is I'm getting used to this. I am enjoying just going right downstairs or going outside on the patio with the laptop and working versus getting in the car for an hour and a half, sitting in traffic, getting the same stuff done. I don't know about you, but I've been working harder now than I ever have. Yeah, and I'm getting more done as well, right? I mean, this I'm getting more done. I'm getting it done faster. People are figuring out this communication aspect a little more quickly, which is good. The... the Commercial real estate market is going to be affected tremendously, in my view, because of all this. I mean, oh, just, let's touch on that real quick, because I don't think people understand this, right? They see one, and I told a friend this the other day, and I don't mean this as a knock on our economy in any way, but our economy and our hearts are not in parallel. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that you want to give forbearance to a renter and then the landlord is like, well, then I need forbearance from the mortgage. And then that mortgage has been bundled up into a bond. And that bond is tied to capital markets. I'm like, yeah, but I'm doing this to save grandma and grandpa so they don't get sick. And I'm like, yeah, but that bond market fuels their retirement and gets them that check. So do, do you want them to die from the cough or from starvation? I mean, this is thinning of the herd. Mima, you're 94. You got to go, okay? Because... We gotta, we gotta rent this townhouse out again, okay? Get out of here. Get the mothballs and get out. And get, it's just, but it's crazy because people are just like that, you know, we just gotta do this and people are making decisions, not understanding economies or markets and they just wanna be nice. And unfortunately, right, and you know this better than me, capitalism isn't nice. <laughs> capitalism, but the, you know, is capitalism and is being smart capital because you yeah. want somebody though not to take advantage of you. You don't want to be um, fool me once, shame on you. And what is that thing? Uh, that's a Biden thing, right? Yeah. What? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm on want, camera right now. What, hello. What is this? Hello. Where they <laughs> rub the hair on my leg? Hold on. I got aviator glasses on. I'm cool, kids. I'm, I'm cool. Back. Now I'm cool. I'm all straight ahead. No, you you just can't mistake kindness for weakness and if all i have to do is say listen you're not going to pay me this three months i get it we're going to add it to the back end now you got somebody who's going to work with you and be smart about it versus them coming in okay you're back to work now give me all my money yeah i have it i gotta come back i gotta try to make it start up all over again so being a smart capitalist is one that you can say listen i get it empathy goes a long way so if you can empathize with somebody, but in the end say, listen, I'm still going to get you, fuck you, pay me. You want to make sure that you get the money still at the end, but you get it in the right time. Yeah, absolutely. And this, you know, and, the, and I think the bigger impact, not only just on, uh, on commercial properties, but just small businesses, especially small restaurants and bars. I mean, the, the place where we first met, that Italian restaurant, I mean, the, the waiter from Italy 
who came off the boat 50 years ago to work at that restaurant and it's still wait tables. It was his communion tie. He just pulled it off. Good night. Good night. Clean dimple hasn't touched in 50 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are the places that are going to get crushed and right. they are getting crushed. But I'm sure their their landlords like, okay, where's the rent? And you're like, I don't have it. Yeah. So I'll work with you. I know our rent is, our lease is for another year and a half. Let's make it almost two years and we're good. Okay, yeah. thanks. What, how can you go wrong with that? Because if you, if you, if you don't work with them, the, the thing is, then the building's empty, right? Not only you're not getting your money, then it sits empty, and then they're going to be forced to leave. And as they're forced to leave, then you've got to go find someone new in there. And another I, year, another year before it gets in, you got to give them a, a, a deal, three months free. Yep. You got you to redesign that whole place, and you're not going to get oh, the smell of garlic yeah. out of those walls. You got to get the union. You got you to gotta grease the labor market. You know, the, the trash guys, they got to listen. They're going to come by again. Okay? Come on now. <laughs> oh, union. We get it. We get it. We get it. What's the same thing? Same. What is it like? You know, I mean, you're, a, you're an East Coast, you're a New York guy. Um, what is. There seems to be, you know, with these lost small businesses, a little loss in nostalgia there. What is a place, what's a favorite place that you have that you and the wife or you and the daughter or the family like to go to, um, you know, we're, that, that we can mention here on the podcast, give them a little bit of love and, you know, from... Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. For the Italian restaurant, we go to Villa Sorrento's. So Villa Sorrento in St. James, Long Island. They are the top notch. You can get a veal chop stuffed, prosciutto. Oh, it's it oh, fantastic. It's just, you, you got to order it ahead of time. It's not on the menu. Sal, I want this ahead of time. You got it, Jason. It's fine. <laughs> and if you want to go for, for steaks, for the ambiance, we go to Insignia down the road. This is one where I've learned over time to Uber. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because they do a full pour of my scotch. So it just makes me so happy. Like tomorrow night, we're also going to an Italian restaurant, Pietro's in St. James, all the boys, all the sit-downs, which reminds me of a scene in Goodfellas, which we'll get to. Yep. Where you just walk in and everything is taken care of. You don't even say a, men a menu, nothing. It just comes right out. That's, that's one of those places. How come that didn't move west? That, that idea of service, nostalgia, <laughs> and having people come in and trust, it, it didn't leave like Jersey, New York. It didn't it's leave that place. Northeast corner. Yeah, when I, we go to Vegas, so all the guy, all the gumbas, no neck, not one guy. <laughs> we go to Vegas and we'll, we'll get treated like kings there. I mean, kings, why? Because that whole vibe, that whole, you know what? I feel like family is not there because everything's so superficial. In our opinion, we'll see everyone has to look better than the next person. Everybody wants to, you know, the, the, look at the bags under the eye. You see this? Everyone's wearing I'm trying to do, I'm trying to think. My wife gave me this cream. I said, give me something with the bags. I look like Mario Cuomo with this. So I'm like, what do I do? But everyone there is going to get it pulled back. They're going to do all these things. So you, you feel the love, you feel the warmth. And unless people from New York are moving to those areas, you don't get it. You don't get that feeling, that warmth. And it's all yeah. about warmth. It's all about, you know, being a part of something. And it just, 
doesn't translate over. It's like I heard a thing once with um, uh, Larry the Cable Guy, and he was talking to Jeff Foxworthy, and he said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do well in L.A. or New York. And he is, but this was years ago, and he said, yeah, but the problem is there's 250 million people in between. So it works. There yeah. are people, the Midwesterners, the people, wow, this is, and they could talk forever while going online. You know, a New Yorker, it's bad when you're in, in the Midwest and you go online for, for groceries and you're like, ever. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Way of life, it's, it, it doesn't, if you try to say, hey, what do you want? On your, you know, you want the Parmesan, you want that. Well, what do you think, Myrtle? Should we get the Parmesan? I think it's not, you know, that's not going to work in some areas where some in New York, you got to move fast. Yeah. Move. That's why I think it hasn't, unless you have a New Yorker or a, a per person from the Northeast setting up shop in one of these areas. Can you feel it? And it's, I don't, it's, it's, I'm not, anyone on the line here, anyone yeah. from the coast, please don't, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling it's just you different. It's different service. And it's, you know, and you've got these different areas of service. Like when you've got the Southern hospitality, you have that, that neighborhood uh, that I'm going to take care of you vibe in, in New York that is completely different than anything on the West Coast anywhere. And anywhere in the Midwest, quite honestly, and that's not a knock. It's just, it's just that, I love that. I've had the privilege of being a part of a couple of those dinners where you walk in and the host is there and he goes, sit, you sit down and the wine's just poured. And it's not, Hey, do you want that? It's like, no, the wine's poured. That's what we're going to have. And the bread comes out and no one goes, Hey, I'm gluten free or you know, my cholesterol's high. Do you have, do you have something that's not real butter? You know, none of that bullshit comes out. The food comes out. It's family style. And the waiter is just engaged. Is there any word from the governor? Uh, I can't wait to get in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And then, you know, and, and it moves fast, but it's very courteous in the speed that it moves at. And, it, and, and they still know what you're going to get, what you want, and, and why they're taking care of you. And none of that, you know, the West Coast can move slow, but it's also a rude slow. Hold on, I need a couple more minutes. I'm on my phone. Let me finish this tweet real quick. And you go, you go to any one of the places you mentioned, I would love to be a fly on the wall to look at the waiter and go, I got to finish my tweet real quick. And then can you come back? <laughs> okay. What do you recommend? Getting a taxi. Get the hell out of here. That's what you recommend. <laughs> I recommend you in that yellow thing out there. Go to Domino's. Right? Animals. <laughs> what do you, what's the thing? What's the connection? What's the love you have for Goodfellas? You know, I think it is, look, first, from the first scene, it scared the shit out of me. I remember being in college and I wasn't around life. I, I grew up in a little block and, you know, not, not much happened. You see something like that when they got, when they, op they opened the trunk. Oh, yeah. The first scene, you're like, oh my God. And then from there, you're like, is this what life is? But then you see the camaraderie. Now this portion of it, I mean, then it gets turns to shit and they go after each other, but yeah, part of the camaraderie, the part of the breaking balls, oh, that is just so much fun, so much laughter sitting there 
Yeah, you have the wives at home. I'm not talking about the gumads and all that stuff, but you'll, the wives at home, the guys go out and they get around, they laugh, they drink, they just, that to me is what makes it, what, even in prison, you know, it's got to be a bullshit scene, but when yeah. they sit, they even made prison look fun. You're slicing the garlic nice and thin, they're doing their bathrobes, they're sitting, I got some, I got some wine, I got some bread, here's some cheese. Oh, that'll be tomorrow night with the guys. Swear to God, maybe the hat, I don't know. You have to dress in black or a blazer. Yeah. And then, oh, it's just the, the, the camaraderie. That's what I, I love before it gets into the crazy parts. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, but you're absolutely right. The, the friendship mm -hmm. and uh, the respect while still being able to bust balls, which oh. in this cancel culture is, is slowly getting lost. And I don't want it to get lost, right? I mean, I bust my kid's chops and sometimes she'll tell me, hey, that hurt my feelings. And I'm like, good. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm not your friend, I'm your dad. <laughs> so we're not buddies. <laughs> and I'm gonna say, and you're gonna hear rude shit sometimes in your life and you've got a choice to make. You can roll with it and laugh and just move along. You can tell them it hurts your feelings and see what happens. Or you can, you know, uh, you can bust their balls back. It's up to you, kid. But I'm gonna recommend busting some chops back. That's right. what I'm going to recommend. And if you, if you can learn that and move through things, you're going to navigate life a lot easier because contrary to popular belief, not everyone's PC. No. In fact, about t the, only the squeaky wheel. The, the, there's very few people that are PC, PC. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not talking about the, the racists out there, any of the other pieces of shit. I'm just talking about the fun people that like to bust balls. And that's it. And that's it. One go, we only have one life, one go around in this. Anybody who's ever on the line, I mean, you, you, you might have gotten divorced and why'd you get divorced? You know what? You have one shot, one shot. And why be miserable your entire life? What? You get the bride behind you, so everything is wonderful. Just tell her everything is fine. <laughs> that's right. Everything right. is wonderful. Mr. Nappy says hello, honey. Hello. And then, you know, you want to make sure you're happy. And try to make everybody happy. You try to make, hey. <laughs> um, but if you're miserable, yeah, you work it out. Try to work it out, of course. When I line them off, and then you try to make sure. But if it doesn't, listen. You put you put your head on the pillow, and you give it your best shot, and you go from there. But one shot in life, and you want to make the best, best you can without being selfish about it. You got kids. You got to make sure they're taken care of. You got to make sure, you know, you still, even if you have an ex-wife, you want to make sure that they're taken care of because they're the mother of your children. But you, you, you want to always make sure you do the right thing. Never Absolutely. Be How do you, you're, you're a dad, um, you're still, for lack of a better term, right? You're the guy's guy. You like to go out with the boys, you're traveling to Vegas, you're having the dinners, but you're also a dad to a wonderful, amazing young My woman now. And oh, then you've yeah. got, then you've got an amazing wife as well. How do you balance career, making sure you have those nights with the guys where you're doing what you're doing, and then also being able to celebrate home, wife, and daughter? How do you balance all of that out? Great question. Well, it's all about um, making sure that they all see how important you are. Uh, my wife, she. Yeah, I tell her every day how important she is. That's the important thing. Never go to bed mad. Always make sure that you're 
telling her how much you telling each other how much we love each other. Now, with that said, she also knows that when I need my time, I need my time. It's healthy for us. So if I need one or two days a week to go out with the guys, I do that as long as I'm not, I'm not skirting any of our responsibilities. If I said I'm going to do something, I do it. Mm -hmm. Make sure everything is all taken care of. I do all that. I'm going out to, she goes, well, um, my daughter's having her boyfriend come over for dinner. I'm like, oh, I wish I could be here, hon, but I'm going out to guys tomorrow night. Oh, okay, have fun. And that's it. Now with my kids, my kids, I get them um, every Tuesday night and then every weekend, either Friday into Saturday or Saturday into Sunday. The boys are three weeks apart. They're into baseball cards. They make a fortune selling and buying baseball cards on the internet. So it's unbelievable. Oh, they're 16 years old. And, um, and we're, he's coming up with all these different ideas and they're doing breaks and he'll sell out a break in, in about an hour and a half. He'll sell it out. And then he's, we were going through the thing and he's making a couple hundred dollars a week. I'm like, and then my ex is like, you got to tell him to get a job. I'm like, he's making more than I did flipping burgers when I was 16. And I was the head fry boy. I was, <laughs> and he's sitting in his underwear making, making trades on, on, on eBay. I'm like, I can't argue with this. How do I argue with this? Yeah, that's the future. I mean, and he's doing something he loves. Loves it. Loves it. Wait till the first time he sees a vagina, though. Then it's over. Then he's going to see, is that boobies? Oh, they're going to turn bust. That's it. <laughs> You're going to have to refocus. You're going to be like, all right, refocus now you're going to go for the burgers. Now oh. you don't need all the acne because I need oh. that shit repelling you. Forget it. Why is his sheets? The, they're like, hard as a rock. What is that? What's going but on? He doesn't know these things yet. And you balance everything. You make sure everybody feels the love. And you try to give yourself uh, enough um, love to go around. That's, that's basically it. I try to do that. Whereas there's some dads who hardly see their kids. They hardly talk to their kids. And I, I don't get that. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, I have, um, I was talking to, uh, to a friend of mine and yes, we were going back and forth about parenting and what we do and how we're different. And so we see the world differently and not that one kid's better than the other, but, uh, he, you know, got brought up old school friend of mine. He goes, Hey, you, uh, you spank your daughter. But I said, no. And he goes, I'm just curious why. Because, you know, you spare the rod and that kid, I mean, God knows what's going to happen to her, Jay. She could be selling drugs. She could be a porn star. And I was like, okay. I go, that's true. I mean, I don't know where you get the math on that or the science on that, but, you know, I'll just run with it. But already on the pole? What the hell? <laughs> no, she's six. <laughs> <laughs> right, she's six. Dad, I was thinking of looking at my little pony and there's the bronies. You know, where <laughs> exactly. It's the brony crew behind her going, go. Go, go. And, and so I said, hey, man, listen, it, personally for me, I cannot at any point in time in my life hit her and tell her I'm doing this because I love you. And then if she gets into a relationship and a guy hits her and he's like, fuck, babe, I'm sorry, but I really love you. I did it because I love you. You're just a little out of line. Imagine. That, that in my mind translates. And because that translates, I won't do it. And... All, it was like a light switch went on in this guy's head because he just you know, kicks the shit out of his kids. <laughs> well, he's, he's, a, he's a Montana guy, and it's just like, get the belt. You're going to go chop wood uh, until your hands bleed. I mean, just, you know, crazy person. And 
has a good heart. He's just a bad, he's, he has a good heart and he's a bad parent, if that makes sense. He oh. wants the best, doesn't know how to deliver it, right? And you try to help, but if you push too hard, right, you're going to, unfortunately, I'm afraid the kid's going to get the fucking switch so that he can show me how, look, I'm not, it's not that bad. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're not going to have this fucking conversation. This is just how I do things. And this is why. But it hit, the light switch went off all of a sudden. He's like, wait, someone could hit my daughter? Oh. Yeah. Imagine. And, and she's used to it because what you're doing. He's like, and he changed on a dime. On a, now, those poor boys, don't get me wrong, they still got to go out and cut the switch. Oh. <laughs> they still get their ass kicked. Oh. I want my daughter or my son to make sure that if there's a question or something that I, not to be afraid to come to me, I want them to come to me. Yeah. One of those things I'm not, I don't want to hear, but dad, I got to talk to you about something. Okay, sure. Let's talk about it. I'm going to give you the answer that you want to hear, mm-hmm. but at least that we have that open dialogue that they can say whatever they want to me from, you know, that's bothering them or something that they feel good about because they know I'm going to put them on a pedestal to make sure that, but on the opposite side of it, if they screw up, I'm going to let them know that they screwed up. Like my daughter, her first semester, she didn't do well. Now, I give her a pass. My daughter, um, in her beginning, before her senior year, she had a stroke. And having the stroke, you know, she lost half the brain. And you saw the MRI. And, uh, that yeah. Put you out. And you try to get through things. And when she got back to it, I mean, this was a highest honors kid. And her senior year, when she got back after Thanksgiving, you know, she, she had easier courses. She did the heavy lifting in her sophomore and junior years. So then when she went to become a freshman at college, you know, A, she's on her own now. B, she's going out with friends and going to, you know, fraternity parties and all this stuff. But C, she thought she could study the way she did as a junior a day or two days beforehand and just pick it up and that was it. And she realized real fast with all of those things, dealing with life, dealing with the struggles, she didn't get the grades that she was accustomed to. So now she gets a report card and that's not what we all expected. So I said, listen, I'm Dad's gonna give you a pass. I'm gonna give you a pass. I know everything you've gone through, everything now that you're doing. I remember your first semester in college, it was awesome, it was terrific. But you also have to realize that you're not, studying is not the same way as you used to have to do it. Now you have to really step it up. And this semester, you saw it on Facebook today. She her announcement. She was on the dean's list. She had a three-six average, and I'm like, uh, she did it. I knew she could do it, and I told her I knew she could do it. So I had to. I wanted her to know that I had the confidence in her, versus me saying, smacking her around, like you say, and, and telling her she can't do it. You're a loser. I don't, you know, you that was it. You're doing this. You're doing that. I'm pulling you out. Why do I need to pay out of state tuition? None of that. I said, listen, I know you could do it. Just, you know, don't prove me wrong. Yeah. That and is he, my, my favorite part of your post of your daughter making the Dean's list and you posting it. My favorite thing was you didn't mention the stroke. No, I, no, just, I, no, you're just, you just, you go, Hey, you just, tonight, just for, for, 
let no, me. No, I know. I know you, you brought it up for background, which I appreciate. But in that post, you mm -hmm. celebrated the moment. Mm -hmm. You didn't get, you don't have to put icing on, you don't have to get ancillary, you didn't have to, you just celebrated the moment as a proud father. And it was a beautiful thing. As, as I do with both my kids, my son, uh, between both of them, the, thank God they're not, they're on my ex's insurance because they, <laughs> many things, my son's got ulcerative colitis. So when he was younger, he's going for endoscopies, colonoscopies, all these things. And I'm like, holy, and I'm watching this, and this little kid doing this. Oh. Now he's with me, a little shit. I still have to let him know who's boss. But, you know, he looks like, yeah, dad, all right, I got it. And, but both of these kids have taught me personally, you know, you don't think you can learn off, you, can, you do. Oh, yeah. And they me how to be so, kids today are so strong, so resilient, so, um, they just go forward. They're like, fuck it. I got to, I got to do it. I have, I have to do it. And they do. And I learned from that and I absorbed that. I was, uh, we were having a, well, my kid's six and she's got my temperament, my personality. Oh. So oh. God bless her. She, so she looks a little too much like me. I'm like, can you look more like your mom? Your mom's beautiful. I make an ugly woman, please, yeah. please. Or, but I, I did two things. One, you'll be proud of me for, and then one I'm embarrassed for. And I, I like to share these parts as well, because I want people to grow and learn from the mistakes I made. So one, if you're a dad and you've got a young girl out there, especially age, starting at age two or three, tell them they cannot pick their nose until they get boobs. That's all. That's all. I told my son that. Jesus <laughs> he's digging for gold. I always catch him going right in. Going right in. It's like, hey, you can start that as a junior in high school. As soon as you think girls are cute, start digging, son. Because let it. me tell you. <laughs> and there's so many pictures or videos of my daughter. I'm like, I can't wait to post this on your wedding day. Oh, oh, oh. oh. you dare. Don't. Oh. oh I, I joke around. I tell people, I'm like, hey, I am going to, I'm oh. going to get sued by my daughter when she figures out with this podcast, the numbers it does and everything else. Cause it starts off with her saying, I pooped a big one. And then it ends with her singing about the first time she took a shit by herself. And <laughs> oh. it's like, you're making money off of my voice. Oh, epic. You kidding me? Terrific. But so she had, so last night my mistake made and I realized it going to bed. She has, you know, we've been repeating ourselves. Hey, do this. Hey, I told you this. Hey man, four, four times. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my wife and I go, this stops today. I'm not repeating myself. I don't do it with customers. I don't do it with clients. I'm not doing it. To, I'm not doing it with the kid. So I told her to do something. She didn't do it. And she's got this favorite stuffed animal. His name's James. And it's a replica of a dog that she is best friends with, whose name is Handsome James. And this dog is a, so real quick background on this dog, because it's an amazing story. Uh, he was about a 45 pound emaciated pit bull with maybe 30% fur on it, bite marks and beat marks all over because he was a bait dog. Folks, do not Google this. The dog that doesn't want to fight, they chain uh, up and all the other dogs attack it. This dog would hear a male's voice and just piss and shit. Uh, and just tremble. My buddy rescues this dog, brings it home. That was sweetie. Now, where did he rescue him from? In from LA. In LA, Hollywood area. And so this dog is, everywhere time he moved, this dog moved. Six feet away at all times. Always in a position to protect itself. And about two days into the into this studio apartment with my buddy, laid down and gave this huge sigh, like I'm home, and slept for 48 hours, just slept, just finally rested. So he re rehabilitates this dog to the point where this dog becomes the first pit bull, and he's now 100 pounds, 110 pounds, solid muscle. They call him the Velvet Hippo. 
This handsome James Ferdinand was the first pit bull that was a certified therapy dog for the LA Children's Hospital. Uh. So it's going in to these kids that are beaten, abused, have cancer, beaten cancer, are dying from cancer, everything in between. Dogs going in and jumping on the bed and laying down with these kids, a gentle giant, literally a gentle giant. And one, it just shows the love capacity that an animal can have that, that we can't figure out. On, on this dog? Yeah, I got, I'll, show, I'll, show, I'll share some stuff with you, yeah. And so he writes Harper letters. Harper writes him letters. She, I, got, um, I got him an Echo for Christmas so yeah. that uh, she could read him bedtime stories. Well, you know, then they got this stuffed animal made of a replica of James, of handsome James. And so Harper has it, carries it everywhere. Well, last night, not listening again. And I'm, I'm go to bed, go to bed. Hey, please go to bed. It's not 8.30, go to bed. And she's just still up walking around. Hey, you guys can't sleep. And I'm like, I told you, I'm not repeating myself. Give me James. And she screams no. Now she's, she's like, oh shit, dad's super serious. So I take it away. I end up going to bed about 11.30 last night. I go to lay down in bed and I knew she was upset. And there was a thing in the back of my head. You get that voice, the dad voice in the back of their head that goes, hey, you know what? You don't have to be this hard. The point's been made. You don't have to fill it out. She's filled it out. The point's been made. So I sneak into her room and she's asleep. And I take this little stuffed animal dog and I set it down next to her and her little arms just wrap around it and roll into it. And she goes to bed. Mm -hmm. She just continues to sleep and wakes up the next morning. She goes, dad, I'm sorry. Jamesy just showed up in my room. And I go, honey, I brought him to you. Uh, the point was made. In fact, it probably took a little too long for me to bring him to you, but understand we're serious because it's not about me telling you to go to bed that you're not it's if you're crossing the street or i tell you to stop and you don't listen and a car is coming that's the point like listening matters now so that sh so that shit doesn't happen later and she and she's like got it but at the same my wife's just saying she's like oh jesus sometimes you're so hard on this kid and i'm like i just want her to be better than me i was an idiot mm -hmm. <laughs> oh i mean <laughs> The same thing. I had, I held the block record of broken wooden spoons around, 13 wooden spoons broken on me until my mother realized I could use metal. Yeah. I and then around the dining room table we went. We would run around the table until wait till your father gets home. Oh. Scariest words, scariest words a mother can say to a, to a young boy. Wait till your father gets home. Oh, quarter to five. There it is. Hey, oh, what's going on? I know something's going on. What the hell's going on here? No dinner's ready. Cocktail's not ready. A cold meal. You're walking in the house, you're already pissing me off. You little fucker, come here. So get over here. My dad never hit me. Screamed, yelled. Oh, he worked in the South Bronx for 30 years. So the man knows tough. So, and my mother, she had to put it with me and my brother. Now, my mother is the... Um, Marie Barone, and then I'm the Ray, I'm I'm the Robert. And my brother's the Raymond. Okay. I'm always screwing up. Always. <laughs> my father had a surgery. I fly down to Florida. I said, Dad, I'll stay with you. I'll be there. I sleep in the chair next to him. All you know, there all night in the chair. You wake up, your back's killing you. Dad, okay, I'm walking around the halls at two in the morning with him. Whatever it is. We get in the car on the drive home. The phone rings over the. The GPS. Oh, it's Stevie! Oh, Stevie called! That was so nice. Oh, it, oh, I love, oh, Stevie, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm, I'm here right now. So, 
And your brother never calls. He never calls. I slept in the hospital for a week. Your brother never calls. Never. There he is. So exciting to hear his voice. I hear right? you all the time. Jason, I haven't eaten all weekend. Why? Well, I was afraid if you called back, I don't have my mouth full of food. You know, like it was one of those. <laughs> this is what I have to deal with. Uh, I need a therapy session, so I'm sorry. I could just No, that. I love it, man. My cheeks are because it's just, it's so real. And it's one of those things that, quite honestly, everyone can relate to. And, you know, you look at Goodfellas and you see the way the nostalgia of the old guard kind of passing it down to this new crazy group of young guys like, shit, we got to work with them a little bit more. They're still a little out of control. We got to mm -hmm. bust their balls a little bit. And all these assholes are thinking is, as soon as we get a little farther west, fuck these rules. <laughs> Stevie, Stevie's going to call what he wants to call. That's right. That's like when Paulie said, said to Henry, listen, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy's a little crazy. And uh, this one's a little nuts. And I don't trust him. I need, I need you to make sure. Yeah, sure. And he's lying to his face. And then he gets a hold of the two of them. And they're like, okay, Tommy, Jimmy, what do you think? It's a good idea. This is good. This is good. You know, they, they go behind the old school's back and in the end, it, it, it screws them. Yeah. But you, you got to make sure and you got to make know that there's a certain hierarchy. There's a certain way of a thing. And it goes back to life. You want, as long as you respect your elders. Now, today, it's not like, it's just like with the cops. When I was a kid, and I'm sure when my parents were a kid, you, if a cop said stop, you stopped. You don't, you know, <laughs> holy shit. Now they're yelling and screaming at them. That, 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 that doesn't go well in the end of the game. You know, if a guy says, you know, stop, and then he starts firing, and then you shoot a taser at a cop, a cop may shoot you. It, 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 it's possible it may happen. Versus if you said, listen, I'm going to take you in. Why don't you sleep it off? Oh, okay. No. I think, I think there's, there's a changing of two guards that have happened, right? And uh, our demographic has, has kind of seen both. One, uh, we've seen that shift from, I remember my dad, my, my first stepdad was Eastern Montana cowboy, mean as shit, uh, beat the tar out of me, uh, you know, just- you know, you know, Eating all that, um, that game, like <laughs> the, the rabbit and- uh, Oh, the elk and bear Ooh. and deer, yeah. everything. But he yeah. would just get- fucking drunk and fighting bars and the cops would just bring them home sleep it off right and it was like hey you know, the cops. all right all right i'll yeah. come and here the cops come lee you're not allowed in this bar anymore and hey go sleep it off and he would uh and so we saw that part and then we grew up with a little bit of that like in big fork montana i grew up with a little bit of oh i knew who the cops were oh i knew these people and they knew my dad and they knew me and so if I got in a little bit of trouble, I knew I would just get taken home. I wouldn't go to jail. Uh, and then probably about college for, you know, 1997, 2000, that's when it started to change. That's when cops kind of shifted because in Montana. in Montana and other areas, because I think that the, the legal side of things of, oh, I drove him home and didn't give him a ticket. And it's like, well, he uh he made a pizza passed out and burnt part of his kitchen and now he's suing well, a lot of that's problems, money yeah they, it's just well they had to now build the, meet their quotas they had to the park needs more money the building needs more money and you find them 
Yeah, and we and we built a we built a, an economy, if you will, in, in in cities on finding people, not on growth and success. Right. And those broken aspects, and then the blame getting pushed on a police officer versus, hey, who did you vote for mayor? Hey, who did you vote? You know, what what are the quotas like? Why are those the year? What's going on? All of those things. No one no one looked at those aspects. They just blamed the first person they saw. Level of stress goes up for police officers, obviously, because now you're in more of a world of instead where someone can be honest with you and you guys can, you know, talk about it. Now you just know, oh wait, that motherfucker's probably lying to me. In fact, more than likely everyone I interact with is lying with me. And I mean, where everyone else in this mode of we should defund the police, I'm like, you need to give them more money. They need better training. I don't, they don't necessarily think the police need tanks, but I would like to see every cop have a blue belt in jujitsu or karate or judo uh, so that if someone were to get physically engaged with them, their level of confidence is instantly higher than anyone else's. Now, in an idealistic world, right, where I just, I want them to have better training. I want them to have continued training. I would like it where 20 hours a month is at the gun range, at the gym, at doing judo, whatever it is, like hire more, give them more training and give them the psychology, uh, give them the psychiatry aspect to where if they shot someone or they were in an incident of violence, they can talk about it and, and get it off their fucking chest. But instead it's like six weeks of training, Good. Oh, if you want to work on your shooting, you can pay for your own gun range stuff. And if you want to work on your physical fitness, you can go pay for your own other stuff. And it's like, we've left them out to dry in a savage, savage world where they do something wrong on camera, they can get sued or vilified or mocked. But if they don't do anything, then their chief is going to throw them down the gutter, give them parking duty or make them work in the prisons instead of, you know, doing patrol or detective work or whatever. What I don't understand recently, I, I don't mean to get political here. No, please, it's okay. Um, sure, sure. It's us, come on. Us, yeah. It is, it, if you're a cop now, and I mean, you see the videos now of the protests, and I have no problem with protesting as long as you have a permit, if you're doing it peacefully, if yep. you're doing it, you stand about something that you feel compassionate about, that's great. That's terrific. That's why we have the Second Amendment. But if you're getting in a cop's face, standing there this close, screaming at them. Now, that person doesn't have a face mask on. Yep. During all this time now, they're in their face. To me, I don't understand why that's not a threat to the cop's life and they can't push them back six feet. I don't understand why that is not something that they can protect themselves because they're not wearing a mask because mm -hmm. they have to stand there like a dope. And like, I can't believe I have to stand there and listen to this. I can't believe I have to stand there and listen to this person berating me for doing my job that I swore to protect these people. My job is to protect you. If something, the shit hit the fan, something would happen to you. My job is to protect you and you're swimming in my face. And I don't know if you have COVID. I don't yeah. know why that is, that's an issue. I, I'm not sure. Um, I think, I think it's, I don't think it's an issue as it is. I would, I would categorize it a little differently. And I would say that one, there is a, obviously a communication breakdown and flaw in everything that's happening right now from COVID to, um, to black lives matter, to police, to blue lives matter, to everything in between the communication breakdown is one is 
we've seen a, okay, I can protest, good. Let me, let me see how far I can push it versus your point of, hey, maybe instead of trying to push it, maybe instead of trying to get aggressive and angry, maybe instead of that, alternatively, you have a peaceful protest, you don't see how far you can push it, and you, and you try to promote change, right? And, that's, and of course, that's easy for me to say because uh, I'm, I'm not involved and I'm not angry and I'm not emotional and, and something hasn't directly impacted me yet, right? So it's easy to, but also I think it's smart for people on the outskirts to instead of judge, give uh, focused commentary on where things can be better. Like I would love to see a protest happen down Newport Beach Boulevard. And I would want, instead of the businesses boarding up in fear of rioters, I would like the protesters, if, they're, if they've got a cause, right? Treat it like a pub crawl. Break your group up into groups of 25 or 50, have your talking points, go to these businesses and say, hey, we're not gonna yell, but we would like to meet here, have a 30 minute discussion, we're gonna buy drinks and food, and then we're gonna take our 30 minute discussion and we're gonna go down to here. Now, what are you doing? Oh wait, your protest is actually not shutting down business, it's supporting business. Oh, and you're being calm and you're being, and, you, and you're not just having one chant, you're having a conversation and you're giving places oh, for people to meet. No, 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 and, talk. Right? and then, and as long as you're not shutting down Newport Boulevard where, and, and you get a permit and then this way you keep yeah. the traffic bolted and you're not, you're not stopping commerce and you're not stopping, you know, people's way of life that they have to get home or, or ambulances if they have to get to a hospital. That's fine. That's great. Love that. MLK did that. I mean, he just talked, to, he made sure that you had conversation. Get the ear of the president, for God's sakes, to make sure that something's bothering him. I, I wanna make this clear to everybody, but if you're going to riot and loot and make this as an excuse for something, to, to steal from somebody who's built a livelihood and now it's taken away or burned down, for what reason? What, what reason? Because of, what happened to their, the, the people 200, 300 years ago? I, I, I don't get it. Now, yes, by all means, what happened to, uh, you know, the person with, with the- uh, Oh, with George Floyd, yep. Floyd, uh, the, his knee on the neck, that was horrible, awful. I mean, so now putting resources into police education to make sure that, that, you know, okay, we can't do restraints, you can't do headlocks, you can't do stuff like that, but teach them how to do other things. Mm -hmm. To make sure that you're t giving these cops the, the resources to then talk to this person, to make sure, you know, if talking doesn't work, yes, you have to make sure the person, uh, George Floyd, in reading his background, he was on meth at that time, he was, he did, was COVID positive, he was making, um, you know, a difficult situation worse. The cop then tried to restrain him and then he went way overboard and that resulted in his death and that he looked so smug doing it though, the cop. And you're like, that's that's just not, that's a piece of shit cop. That's not yeah. a nice person as a, as a human being. Then we, we all get together and say, you know what, that person does not represent all of the police force. That doesn't even come close to all the police force because there is training involved and set it up the right way. Now in New York, they're taking a billion dollars away from the police department. I was and, just going to ask you about that. Yeah. Billion dollars. I mean, how do you do that? And then the governor says, I think the, this type of, uh, you know, behavior is 
is uh, is warranted or it's it's nice that they're pre how do you even say something like that I mean, this is the kick in the face for the police officers who are risking their lives this video of cars and getting stuff thrown at them and getting people getting hurt. Why? Who wants to be now a police officer to defend the city for what forty thousand dollars a year? You can't. You can't afford to live in the city that you protect. Oh. You can't afford to to eat at the restaurants of the homes you go into to make sure whether it's domestic violence or anything else. Protect. What was it? Uh, Brooklyn over the weekend. 121 shootings, 88 deaths. 121 shootings. Can you imagine? I mean, Detroit's blushing. They're like, oh, look what you did. I mean, it's just, but it's also, it's, it is a, um, it, it, it shows the brokenness of, of where, um, the, the, where the activists are in not understanding how good police work and why they work. It is the brokenness of police uh, not, effectively figuring out yet how to weed these bad cops out right not because because it i mean it is at some point in some areas and not all by all means this is a a, a, a general statement i don't mean this for for everyone but you we've seen it where a bad cop just gets moved to a different area oh well he's like in patrol now like moving a bad priest yeah he's done something incorrect to another parish yeah really what are you doing you're just giving somebody else a problem Yep, and that's and and unfortunately that's happened a little too much, and uh, I think better training. Once again, better training. Money. That, you need the money for that. Taking yeah. away a million dollars. Were you thinking about better training? Uh, now you're going to move that into uh, clubs or uh, diversity, education, or, or or other communities. Come on. Well, how are you? Oh, great. Education's fantastic. How are you going to get? How are you going to get to that school? If if the Fucking roads are a minefield of shit and death. Death. People got to be worried about going to school. Come yeah. on. That's one of the basic paramount things. You want to make sure that your kid from, from kindergarten to 12th grade can do without fear, having fear to get that. And then going to college and make a better life for themselves. Going away if they could. I yeah. mean, it, it's so sad in, in, in seeing that. And now you, you're going to penalized Chris Cuomo yesterday was berating those that that poor gentleman was trying to defend his home that's his home I mean the guy with the pink shirt on oh, with the AK <laughs> his wife's out there with the gun holding like right. one hey what let's get you guys home you have all hundreds of people walking through uh, and told everybody and they kept coming you know what I'm going to defend my home you're allowed to do that and he was berating saying, why did you have to do that? Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. When he had COVID and somebody came up to his property and still looking around and he came running over to him. Can you imagine if there was hundreds of people looking, coming over to him? Wouldn't he feel a little worried? What would he do? He'd want to defend himself. Well, it's, it, judgment's easy as long as you only have to judge and you don't get judged yourself. Right, well, judgment's super easy, and 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 I always tell people, I go, hey, one, you don't know, we don't know that guy's past, so I don't know what happened to him in his life, I really don't, I don't know if he's been mugged or assaulted, um, I don't know if uh, if his wife um, was assaulted or attacked in some capacity that that has given them angst or fear when they're seeing protesters, because unfortunately, what happens right is protesters get infiltrated by rioters. So you have these 
protesters and then you have antagonists inside of those groups to really try to rile them up. And those people who try to rile them up are the ones who are pushing the limits. Oh, I know we're supposed to walk on the sidewalk, but fuck it, let's walk in this guy's yard. And we don't, I don't know what that gentleman's been through. I have, um, you know, I, there's a part of me that goes, hey, one, can you guys take a gun safety course? Because the way your wife's holding that pistol, she's going to shoot herself first before she gets, right. I mean, she's like this, you know, I've got to hold it all awkward. And, she's just eating a sandwich because she had a mustard stain yep. all over. Like, all right, lady, take it easy. Take it Sit easy. Down. All right. Bring a bat, honey. Come on. And he's holding the gun kind of awkward as well. And he's all mad. His pants are up real high. And he's like, look. And, and 25. Yeah. And it's just, you could, you could see, and I wish people would have, this, they were just as scared and oh, terrified. Terrified. And that part, that aspect of it, yeah, there's a part of me that wants to make fun of them a little bit for the way they look, the way they're holding the guns, everything else. But there's the compassionate side of me goes, hey, I don't know what they've been through. And if COVID has taught me one thing, if this whole experience has taught me one thing, it's that I don't know what people are going through. And if right. I don't know, I, pro you know, I need to pause on my judgment. I need, to, um, I need to take a step back on my eagerness to attack. It reminds me of the, uh, the young kids from Kentucky that were in uh, Washington, D.C. And the kids got free hats, Make America Great Again hats. Right. And you see the picture and he's smiling and the guy's drumming. The Indian gentleman is, a uh, Native American gentleman is drumming. And uh, it looks like the kid's being antagonistic towards him. And they vilified this child. I mean, oh. he was a child. He was like 16 years old. He's a child. And they, they're like, what a piece of shit. I can't believe this fucking guy. Da, 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 da. They go down the whole road. Okay. Well, then what we find out later is that they were just standing there. Damn. And he came up and beat the drum in their face. And all they did is response, not knowing what to do at 16. Listen, if oh, I'm 16 and that happens, I don't know that I have the same decorum as that young man does. I don't know. Right? I, I don't. But I can tell you. I wouldn't have. No, I'd be like, what? what, do you, what, what, what get what the fucking drum out of here. Go. Get out of right? here. Yeah. And instead, he stood there and took it. He stood there and took it. And what I never saw outside of the lawsuit where he sued the shit out of CNN, and I hope that kid is set for life, yeah. um, no one apologized. None of, no. these, none of these comedians, none of these actors, the, the, John, not the, the, the John Olivers of the world, no. none of them took a moment and said, you know what, we got this wrong. And that aspect of it from the news, like if you take how they treat people, Right, like I don't let my daughter watch the news because no one ever says they're wrong. No one says, "Hey, I made a mistake." Cuomo's never come out and been like, "I'll tell you what, I really fucked up and helped spread COVID uh, mm -hmm. by um, by taking all the elderly people and shipping them right back into the hot." Yeah. Here you go. You guys go die together. He's never come out, you know. And Chris, his brother, under under his fake quarantine, he's never come out and said, "Hey, sorry for lying to you guys about giving a fake quarantine when I just really wanted to hang out at my new beach house that was getting built." Does it, right. You never apologize for that. They don't come out and say, you know what? I just fucked up and I was wrong. But here's how I'm going to make it better. Because in a cancel culture, I'm going to take a soundbite world, right? All, they're so worried about someone taking that clip and saying, hey, I fucked up, man. It was my bad. I made a mistake. I should have said this. I didn't. 
and I'm doing these things to rectify it and I apologize. That's leadership. Totally. That is, that's, that's, that's parenting 101. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, I go, your kids, the only relationship they didn't choose was having you. <laughs> that's true. As we were talking, my daughter was, was calling me, you know, cause she wants to call and she, she was here and she left at um, three o'clock before. So she still wants to call, just check in. And, and that's, you know, that to me is what it's all about, you know, absolutely having that relationship. And, um, but anyway, let me get off my therapy session here. No, no, it's, but it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing um, to see your daughter and, and your sons finding success in, in, in any environment, obviously, but in this environment, it's, just, it's a little more gratifying because mm -hmm. if you want to, you know, you build your kids to overcome. Right. And you're, you've got to be sitting back going, the shit is literally hitting the fan. Oh. And you fucking rock stars, <laughs> Dean's List, making a couple hundred bucks a day in your right. undies, swooping cards. So they start, I had to start all over. When, when, I, when I first got divorced, you know, you left the house and the house we all built and all this stuff. And I decided leaving in there, I went into an apartment a two bedroom apartment. And I was like, what? Oh, what a kick in the head. And they saw that and they saw me down. They saw me upset, but they saw that I have to rebuild. And then I built it, you know, bought a condo and then I, they saw like they have long rooms now and we built it all nicey nice with the mahogany like this, you know, and downstairs and I built it. And then I met my wife and then we built this house and then we have everybody, everyone's got their own bedroom because God forbid everyone has to share. So everyone's got their own. And then we built it all there and we saw all this and I want them to see that you can come back from where you were when you think you're at your bottom and build yourself up. And yeah. I hope I instill that on them. You know, what, what do you think outside of your kids, you know, uh, building yourself back up. You, you mentioned your dad worked his ass off in Brooklyn. What, uh, the Bronx, oh, the Bronx, sorry. Ford Apache, Ford Apache. What was, as he was filming the movie too. What was, what was that, uh, what was that like, uh, seeing your dad? Well, my dad, like I stopped seeing my dad because he would, so the only time I would see him is when he got home from work, quarter to five until I went to bed. It was usually eight o'clock at night. It was bedtime. Eight thirty on Tuesday nights. Why Tuesday nights? Talk to me. Happy Days was on at eight o'clock. Laverne and Shirley was too risque. Okay, so we could go to why stay up till eight thirty. It would still be sunny and you'd still hear guys outside having a ball on their bikes. But no, it was eight thirty. I think because my parents need a little break. Yeah. From, and then, um, and then my dad was a musician. So we'd play a job on Friday nights, two on Saturdays, and one on Sundays. So we had the house with the pillars in the front, the white pillars, with the white rocks. So everyone thought we were in the mob, but my dad was working his ass off because he was a teacher, and then he was doing these jobs, killing himself, you know, cash. And he, he did it. And mom, you know, she sold full of brush. That was a biggie. And then Avon. And then she said, you know, I'm going back to school. And then she became a nurse while I was in junior high and she did that so she could save enough so I can go to college wow. and did it. You know, so I went to you know, state school and 
and she paid for it. And she says, listen, you got, you're not going to have to work while you're in college, but you got to make sure that you do well. So and there were some semesters, like they gave me a pass too. <laughs> I think that was the semester I pledged. And <laughs> from there, I, I said, well, I promise. And then from there, I was on the Dean's list, but I had, I had to do it. You learn from that. You learn from making, if you make your parents, sometimes I'm very disappointed. Oh, that's the worst thing you could ever hear. I'm disappointed, Jason. Yeah. You know? And that from there, you don't want to ever hear that again. And you no. just you build it up. Because my, and my, remind me, because my parents called while I was having dinner. I said, I'll call you back. So after this, I got to call them back for FaceTime. Because they love FaceTime now. Love it. Thank God they got it. Because there they are, right? And then I'll see the bottom of their neck as the, the video. I'm like, mom, <laughs> their ear. Like, I can't me. hear you. Hold I on. What is this? My, then take it away from your face. <laughs> Dude, I do it. I, uh, I get it with my dad. He'll call. He'll leave messages. Hey, uh, son. Hey. It's your dad. Jack. Just calling to say how you doing. I love you. Uh, it's your dad. So if you get a chance, you can call me back. I might be golfing tomorrow, but uh, I'll still pick up. And I'm like, I know who it is. I've got caller ID, and I okay. recognize the voice. <laughs> It's uh, it's Jack. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> that's your stepdad. That's your, your your real dad. Jack's my real dad, and then my mom got married a bunch. She uh, she really liked getting married. Uh, so she was married for a real long stretch with Lee. Um, my mom uh found uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, her personal savior, and uh, became very religious to her, and the good kind to where she would wake up and walk mm -hmm. around my dad on his bed. On the bed, in the bed they shared Sunday morning, saying, "If you don't come to church with me, you're going to hell." That's how oh. she'd wake him up on Sundays after he was boozing on Saturday night. So she represented Jesus well, uh, church well, and, um, and and their relationship very well. So they got divorced. She married another guy. Uh, he passed away. Then she married another guy. They got divorced, and she married another guy. Oh, yeah, she's aggressive. Um, you know. Then my dad. My real dad, he got married again, uh, two kids, still married uh, to his wonderful wife, Heidi. He's got two great kids, my step, uh, half-brother, half-sister, Chelsea and Chase. Uh, my sister does education uh, for developmentally disabled kids. And my brother uh, works for uh, Weed Maps, and it's just awesome. I mean, he's in California. He's Weed Maps. It is, uh, it's like a uh, Yelp for buying weed. Oh, legally or illegally? Legally. Okay. It's, all, it's all legal down there. So they're just like, okay. yeah, just have a good time. So three times, two times, and then three times. That's right. And so I go there and I just get hooked up. He's like, oh, I got some samples. Oh, I got this. Oh, I got that. And I just feel like a rock star every time I go there. So I'll take him out to dinner and we'll go out and have dinner. Yeah. And, you know, I... But I was telling my boss, and I was like, hey, man, I'm going to go grab dinner with my brother. And he goes, you tell him um, I'm paying or you're paying? I'm like, I always tell him I'm paying. He goes, you expense it, right? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, good. And so we're bullshitting around having a good time. And I go, he's always late. He goes, next time he's late, you tell him I'm not accepting the expense if he's late. <laughs> he's on time after that. Otherwise, he's paying. <laughs> Otherwise, he's paying. I'm like, hey, man, come on. Let's get in there. Let's get this, and let's have a good conversation. But it's it's fun to watch them grow up. It's um, 
you know, uh, it sounds like, um, I mean, divorce sucks, obviously. It's, it, it's hard for the kids. It's, it's hard for the parents. It's How hard to the, get divorced. Uh, the first one I was your father. Yeah. My father, um, I was two or three. Oh, okay. But, um, I remember cause I still have it somewhere. My dad, mm -hmm. uh, drew a cartoon and, uh, he showed where, why he had moved to Portland, you know? So I thought there were two bunnies and there was an egg and then there were three bunnies and I was the little bunny. And then he kind of drew this little cartoon of the two bigger bunnies arguing. And then my mom and I going to a house, the two bunnies, and then him moving to Portland, Oregon. And he handed it to me like, this is going to make sense. This is going to be the thing that my kid's going to understand divorce and why I don't see him every day. And I mean, this is bad. People don't get this. Long distance used to be a thing. AT&T used to own everything. So you want to call long distance. Yeah, it's expensive. So I didn't, it's not like divorce today to where you're like, I want to FaceTime my dad or, you know what, we're going to, my dad's going to read me a bedtime story every night. No, mm -hmm. no, no. My dad sold Hondas in Beaverton, Oregon. Hmm. He didn't make a, sh he didn't make any money. He was a barber as well. In there, so he must have, I was hoping he'd make a killing in Beaverton. <laughs> yeah, you were in Montana and he moved to Oregon. What made yep. him move? Opportunity. He just wanted to do something different and he needed to get out of Montana. And he didn't have a good relationship with my grandfather. Uh, it was a tough man. I mean, my grandfather was, he was very, he was very entrepreneurial. He bought and sold newspapers and television stations all over the Northwest. He probably started 20 papers when he was a news guy, news junkie, but he was hard. I mean, he was a perfectionist and he was hard. Uh, he got an, uh, my cousin once got an A on a paper on raising steer and the benefits of it. And he read it and he graded it himself and he gave her an F. And he told oh. her the teachers were fucking stupid. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Just a lot of love. So, nice. yeah. You know, and he would, I, I remember one time I was. Uh, Did you give a few bucks for Christ's sake? Oh, no. Fuck no. Come on. I mean, he kicked my ass a couple times. But oh. it was, I, we drove out to uh, Portland once. So I. My parents, I don't know about yours. So I was eight years old, nine years old, up in uh, Kalispell, Montana, Whitefish, Montana, actually. And my parents don't want to drive me, you know, down to see my grandfather, who's going to, going to take me to Portland, Oregon, to see my dad, a 12-hour drive to see my dad. So they put me on a Greyhound bus in 1982. So you're, what, eight? I am eight years old. Right. By myself. With a pen and 20 bucks. Go get him. Right, Suitcase. Nice. <laughs> so I'm getting dragging it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I packed everything. And he's like, sit up by the bus driver. Don't sit in the back of the bus. Obviously. It's a, I mean, it's 82. Greyhound stations have never been safe. Oh. Hey, baby. <laughs> Where's your mom at? Right. Well, you, do you need a Snickers bar, little buddy? Why don't you come over around the corner? It's right here next to my penis. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. And somehow they'd be like, fuck, he made it. Uh, I guess we got to feed him. And so my grandfather takes me out, and he had started getting a little dementia, losing his mind, and we're driving out to Portland, Oregon, and he's like, hey, I got this uh, land deal I'm working on. I'm like, okay. Oh. He goes, 
Pretty good deal. It's outside of uh, Helena. It's a big piece. Really expanding that way. It's going to be pretty what amazing. What was the uh, Mount St. Helena? Wasn't it oh, that was that was in uh, Washington, Oregon. Oh, that's what blue, yeah. And I'll take uh, for two hundred, Alex. Go that's right. right. And so we're uh, we're messing around. He's like, you know, any guys with money? I'm eight. I'm eight. <laughs> I know a guy. I mean, Jimmy just sold some cards. He's got two hundred bucks. Listen, I got him. I just got a couple of baseball cards. I could get something. You know, no. any guys with money? No, any guys with that. And then he wouldn't want to fall asleep, so he would uh, he would pop his dentures in and out, and then he would him and haw. So he'd click them to start the rhythm, popping them in and out, and then he'd go hip ba dip 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 ba Wow. At eight, I almost crawled out of a fucking car doing 65 miles an hour and just wow. jumped. <laughs> Holy shit. Mine would, would be going digging. He'd be digging. <laughs> He'd go a little, and then there it is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> my grandmother would come with us. So my grandma, my grandfather was very hard on my grandmother. She loved Butterfingers. She had a sweet tooth for Butterfingers. To this day, in fact, I have to uh, make a phone call tomorrow uh, so she can get them delivered. Uh, there's a little, there's a very good little donut shop in Townsend, Montana, and they know my grandmother well because she'll go in there every day before COVID. She'd get herself a couple maple bars. 94 years old, and she's just like, "Yeah, I got maple bar." Okay. My dad's like, "What'd you have for breakfast? Uh, three cups of coffee, maple bar." He's like, "No, but mom, what'd you have for lunch? Maple bar." Mom, you got to eat something. Eat some vegetables. You got to have some food. Listen. 94 years old, I'm going to have a fucking maple bar. Whatever she wants, eat it away. Fuck it. <laughs> Who cares? What a vodka. Fuck it. She's like, I've never had a sip of beer. Not like you two. You two are awful with your drinking. I don't even like that in my house. Just cram it in my fridge. How dare you? How dare you? Just so mad. So mad. And so, you know, we, we're bullshitting around. We're having fun. She's got that going on. My grandpa's a little crazy, but in all of that, you know, my dad escapes and gets away to Portland to just kind of break away. I mean, he's like, fuck, I just need to be like, I just need to figure out who I am. Cause he wasn't a rancher like my grandfather. He wasn't going to go and be this, you know, kind of huckster salesman who's you know, working with legislators, see how laws are going to change. So he can be the first to buy something and then sell it at a higher price. Right. He's and my dad was talented in different ways. And so he had to escape. And I mean, probably the greatest thing that happened was that because it showed my dad patience for some crazy asshole like me. How old was he, Jay? Uh, when what? When he moved to Oregon. He was probably, I think he was 24. 23 or 24. Oh, so he got married young. Yeah, real young. Yep. So he had you at around 20, you said you were two. 22. Yeah, he had me about 21, 22. And then he said, I'm leaving. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my mom was, and still is, I mean, she was crazy. I mean, she's a little 5'1 Irish woman. Oh, bright red hair and, and likes to drink. And uh, her, um, her birthday is on Cinco de Mayo. I mean, these are just. <laughs> Which was Taco Tuesday this year. So, hey, she hey. Mm -hmm. crushed it crushed it 
So it was, it was, you know, it was interesting growing up and seeing that, but it, it's funny because I see like movies like Goodfellas and I see these good old boys. And I remember those good old boys as the ranchers, mm-hmm. the tough guys in town. Um, you know, the, that group of guys you didn't fuck with, right? They're like, oh no, no. Like those four boys at the end of the bar, leave them alone. Leave them alone. Don't even go near them. And it's funny, there was that scene when they were going to the Copa. See, yep. now the guys that we go with. So, you know, we, we'd always make sure we go into a, a, one of these clubs in, in Vegas and we go to the side thing and they bring us, we get our own security. We didn't ask them, they just saw us all together. We get our own security. We'd get our own table at the hottest part of the club. And we're like, this is, this is exactly what it's, this is what we live for. So now I'm telling a story like this at a dentist convention. I mean, at that convention, a buddy of mine is getting honored as as president of this association, the dentists. So remember all of us that were in their tuxedos and we're at the bar and the bartender looks at us. He goes, so um, you guys dentists? What? No, we put the toilets in this place. What's the matter with you? Give me the drink. So he gives us my scotch. And I said, listen, I never want to see my scotch less than half full. Okay? You got it, sir. I, give him, I take care of him. That's so the now, other thing. People miss that real quick. Sorry to interrupt, but people miss that. They like to make the demand. They don't like to separate the cash. That's right. You take care. You always take care of them. Always take care of people. So now... You always out of respect. You want to ask something? Fine. I want to. I take your. You take care of me. I take care of you. So next thing, and I'm telling a story in front of all these dentists, and they're listening to every word I'm saying. And as I'm standing there, my glass is about right here. <laughs> the bartender, out of nowhere, comes, grabs my glass, puts another glass in my hand, full drink, and walks away. I go, and that's exactly what happens, boys. This. <laughs> Loses it. All the guys just lose it. And I'm like, that's this is how it is. This is what it's like when we're out together, all of us. So that's what reminds me of Goodfellas. That's why it's one of my favorites. I uh one of the things that reminds me of Goodfellas is so I got this buddy Father John. He's seven feet tall. Love Father John to death. He played basketball all over the world. Didn't quite make it in the NBA here, but he, he worked out with the Portland Trailblazers, lived up in that neck of the woods, uh, played for uh, Montana State University. African-American, white nope, guy? white guy. Big, white goofy white guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, played over in France, uh, other parts of Europe, and then played over in the Philippines, where I'm just like, that's just mean. You can't be, I mean, you can't be seven feet tall going over the Philippines. In the Philippines. You're, 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 now you're being a dick. <laughs> just what an a- asshole. So we're hanging out, and he goes, he's a professional athlete. And then there's me. Hmm. A schmuck. Hey, and I'm like, hang on, Spike. Hey, Spike. Yeah. I'm like, hey, God, what are we going to do? And so he's like, hey, I'm just curious. You always seem to like find a way to talk to ladies at the bar. Um, why is that? Can you just, just show me? I go, great. So we go to this very ritzy, fun, high-end restaurant that turns into kind of a bar club scene at night. We get there about 20 minutes before the turnover. Uh, down in Newport Beach, California. Okay. So we go, and at the corner of the bar, there's two seats. And I go, you sit there, I'll sit here. And he goes, okay. He goes, there's no one in here. I go, I know. Hold on. What time? Uh, it's probably 8.30. So uh, 9 o'clock, things start getting bumping. 
8.30, people are kind of mingling in, the music's slowly turning up. I call the bartender over and they go, hey, uh, I'll, uh, I'll get a Stella. And then he wants a, you know, Jack and Coke or whatever. And the guy's like, perfect. I go, hey, slip me some cash. I'm like, at this corner of the bar, please just serve us. Because this place is going to get crazy and I don't want drinks being spilled on me and all this other bullshit. And the guy's like, okay. And I gave him a good amount of money to make mm-hmm. sure he only took care of us. Well, the plan, and John's like, what are you doing? I go, just watch. So these guys come up like, hey, hey, hey. And they're kind of bumping us. And the bartender sees him bumping us. And he's feeling that $100 bill in his pocket. And he's like, oh, fuck those guys. I'm ignoring him. These girls come up. They're cute. They're real nice. Excuse me. Bartender knows. He smiles, walks away. So I'm like, hey, hey, Tommy. Hey. Uh, ladies, bro. Hey, ladies. What's the matter with you? Ladies, what can I get you? Exactly. Put it on my tab. Put All it on right. my tab, please. I got Ladies, it. I got it. I got it. Oh, really? And then I go, then John, when I do this, all I want you to do is offer one girl that you like your seat and stand up. He goes, I, why? I go, you're seven no. fucking Get through it! <laughs> you're seven freaking feet tall! What's the matter with you? That's why. Get up! Jesus, we're going to need a chair for your cock because it's up at seven feet tall. Rest it. Rest it. And dingo, just put it down. So he stands up and this girl goes, sweet Jesus. Right, yeah. And I, I go, come here. And he goes, what? I go, you're getting laid tonight. That's it's it. like, this is what it took? I'm like, yeah, you this is what it took. <laughs> you sitting down and standing up at the corner of a popular bar and you waited for the girls that you thought were cute. You tapped me and said, hey, these are the cute girls. I said, great, here we go. Let's have a party. Good night. Good night. That's, <laughs> well, you, you get the crowds around this one time we're there. So, all of a sudden here, Nappy, we need you. What? And it was um, uh, Rob Schneider. So he's over there, and now he's talking. So I come down, and I go like this. I said, give me, give me, give me a hug. He gives me a he sees me smoking and he goes, Oh, my favorite's uh, Chateau Fuente. I go, matter of fact, I got one for you. Well, oh, that wow. was we sat there for an hour and a half talking. They all thought the guys were extras on the Sopranos. Now you have all these women coming around us talking. And so now Rob brings us over, and there's Adam Sandler, Kevin James, um, one of the other guys from Kevin James show. And now we're all talking. We laughed all night and we had our own, we had the bodyguards protecting us <laughs> from Long Island, but they, we own the play. It was, it was just that time. It was fantastic. And you feel like, uh, again, you feel like it, you're not telling it, you're not lying. You're not telling anything, but I'm not going to tell somebody if they think them, uh, this person, somebody else. Oh yeah, it's we were at um, my buddy works for works for uh, People Magazine, mm-hmm. and I was out in LA, and he goes, "Hey, we got to uh, I got to go to an event. Uh, Clayton Kershaw is having his annual ping pong tournament. Mm-hmm. Would you be my guest?" And I'm in LA. I'm like, "I let this sounds great." Right. He's like, "Hey, two rules: don't get drunk, don't bother Clayton Kershaw." I'm like, two things now I have to do. But yes, 100. percent I will say yes. Okay. That's what you beeline, huh? Yeah. So I'm in there. I found a couple of pops. Guy walks past me. I'm like, holy shit. 
And he just turns and looks and smiles. I'm like, you're Robert Ory. Big shot, Bob. You And I just said, hey, man, I just want to thank you. You have given me so much joy as a Lakers fan. Make, I was in Portland when you hit that three-pointer to push them out of the Western Conference Finals and you guys went forward. And I was the only person that stood up and cheered. I was seven rows back from court and I watched you. Thank you. And he went to put his arm around like we we're going to get a selfie. And I said, oh, I don't do pictures like that, man. I just think it's rude. But thank you. So I leave. I'm at the bar, a huge line of people. This guy's behind me. And then I see like seven or eight ladies. And I looked at the guy, I go, you're going to want to kick me, hit me, but you're not going to do a fucking thing. And this is going to piss you off. And I apologize. And the guy goes, what are you going to do? And I stood there and I said, sorry, bartender, but hold on a second. Come on, ladies first. Ladies, get up here. So <laughs> see the ladies go up like, I'll have an appetini. I'll have a lemon. And you know, this guy's like, dude, I could have just given you a beer. You could have gotten the fuck out of here. Why are you doing this? Like, that's just funny to me. Well, Robert Ory sees it from the other side of the bar, grabs me. We spend two hours chatting. We are just chatting it up. Just, I mean, I'm talking about his daughter and uh, who, who was, had severe developmental disabled things and why he was commuting from LA to Houston when he was playing for them and all the things, everything. Loving every minute of it. And his, his wife's like, come on, we gotta go. He's like, hold on, I'm talking to Jason. Like, I'm a person. Right. And I'm like, oh yeah, this is Jason. No, Jason, come on, what the fuck's wrong with you? He finally leaves. I'm hanging out. <laughs> I see Clayton Kershaw and his bodyguards scoot by. And I go, Clayton. My buddy's like, told you not to do this. Yeah. I'm like, Clayton. He goes, yeah. yeah. Like, Love the ping pong tournament. And he's running towards, and now I can see, he's running towards the bathroom. And he turns, and right as he turns, I go, Clayton. And he goes, turns around, nicest guy. He's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, man, um, I know the ping pong uh, playing is only between you and Robert and a couple of other celebrities, but uh, thanks for sitting up all the other tables so we could play. I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. He goes, of course, buddy. Goes to turn away. I'm like, Clayton. Yeah. <laughs> so, I do it like three more times. And you can tell yeah. he's got piss. You can tell he's just like, yeah, buddy. Okay. Yeah, whatever you want. Do you want a picture? I'm like, I don't do pictures. He's like, can you, I just, I got it. I got to go. I'm like, absolutely. You get out of here. Clayton. He's Clayton. like, oh, Jesus Christ. And my buddy's just like, and I'm wearing the People magazine lanyard, right? I mean, I'm like, raw. He's like, the one thing I told you not to do, he comes out of the bathroom, he sees me and instantly beelines into a conversation, wraps his arm around those people. Robert sees me, Hori comes over and sees me and he goes, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, good. He goes, oh man, just you know, trying to get a conversation. Clayton's very difficult, he's very popular. He goes, I'll go beat him in ping pong for you real quick. <laughs> Breaking balls. That's what I'm talking about. This is the best thing. That's what it's all about. I'll tell you this. Everyone else who's just like, he walks by and they're just like, oh, oh it's the, it's the picture for the, oh, oh. No, no, no. Bust his balls a little bit. Listen, when was the last time he got his balls busted by someone? Who cares? And guess what? He wasn't mad. He laughed about it afterwards. Who the fuck cares? It's a night that you'll remember and you'll tell it on your podcast. And yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's just, I look at those things. And I was like, you guys, man, you know, to your point of, of, of meeting uh, famous people and other things and, 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 and creating kind of mini tribes, if you will, in moments, right? 
I, 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 we tell these stories and I, and I tell listeners this all the time, like, hey, you guys, take this moment to instead of trying to tweet that you're next to someone or get a selfie with them or anything else, you might want to just say hi. Never take might, a selfie. Never do that. Never. You might want to say hi. You might want to ask how they're doing. There, there's, a, there's 900 other things you can do besides ask for their picture and then talk shit about X, Y, and Z, whatever, as you go away. I mean, we were in, um, we were fresh out of college. We were in Vegas. And we did that. We used to do turnarounds. So we'd leave at seven o'clock, eight o'clock from Newport Beach and just drive straight to Vegas, party all night long, and then leave the next morning at 9 a.m. Wow. Young kids. And yeah. we're in this bar. It's about 11, 30, 12. And my buddy looks over and he goes, that's Barry Sanders. I'm like, holy shit, is that Barry Sanders? So I grab my buddy Marlon. And I walk over to Barry Sanders and I go, hey, man, just wanted to say, this is hard for me as a 49ers fan, but you are the most brilliant running back to watch. I, I mean, it's you, it's Walter Payton, it's Roger Craig in my mind, of just guys that just saw things that no one else saw, that announcers didn't see. It was beautiful. And I know everyone wants to buy you a drink, but I literally graduated college six months ago and I've got no money. Would you buy yeah. me a drink? <laughs> Oh, he goes, hold on a second, calls his buddy over, order another limo. You guys are coming out with me tonight. Took care of our tab, put us in a limo with him while his friends rode in another limo. So it was us assholes and Barry Sanders mm. going club to club. And then he's like, it's time for me to go. We're like, hey, man, thanks very much. Because where are you guys going? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, that limo's for you guys. I already paid for it. Go where you want to go. Have fun. How great. Is that just... Oh. And it's I like... Stories, but I'm not, not on here. But, 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 it's, but it's like you look at those things and everyone's like, oh, well, you know, and I go, hold on. Respect versus reverence, right? Or treating someone as a God figure, but respectful, right? And also just having fun. And just being like, hey, you know what? Come here. I just, I made a joke with a $10 bill in my hand that I was still going to buy him a beer. Of course. Of course. And the guy goes, hold on a second, right? <laughs> I make a call real quick. Right. I need one more limo. The last, we would have the security. I'll, I'll tell you that off, off time. No, that's fine. It, it was just the greatest times, great things. And when you have people that you're, you're surrounded by that you know are going to have your back on things, there's nothing better. When, um, when I took Steven to uh, uh, our, our, we have a mutual friend, folks, named Steven Siegel. Uh, interesting, interesting man. Um, we, uh, we, were, uh, we were in Vegas and uh, we wanted to do this dinner. And we went, uh, my brother set it up. So my brother used to be one of the elite eight for Paul Mitchell, Jean-Paul DeJorio. Mm -hmm. And so he, hooked, he, uh, he, he picked the steak spot. We had the center table in the whole dining room, like the big round center table. Came in, sat down, instantly champagne's poured. Appetizers already delivered. Mm -hmm. Wine poured, already chosen. My buddy Worley shows up, uh, these other executives, so we're having this round table meeting. Well, hey guys, uh, the chef decided you guys should have these things for dinner. Great. Okay. okay. My buddy Worley is so blown away. He's like, I've got the bill. 
I'm like, why? He goes, Jepson, I didn't know you had this kind of juice. I'm like, I don't. My brother does. <laughs> and here's my brother. He's half Jamaican, half American, and he's like 5'4". So I've got this stepbrother who I call my brother because I've spent so much time with him. I love him to death. I don't, I don't like this half and step shit. He's my brother. I love him to death. I'm like, this is my brother. He's like, there is a half black person who is six inches shorter than you and this is your brother? Bullshit. And Ross is like, I'm his fucking brother. Mind your mouth. <laughs> you shut your ass. Shut your ass around. I'll get you thrown out of here. And right we come in, you know, we got the, the chef comes out. How's everything? Is everything good? And then I go out with him again. It's just him and I. And we go to Uber's Keller's spot. And Uber Keller sees us, the, the, this amazing chef. And he goes, come on. Grabs a table. Slaps it down in the back of the kitchen. Two oh, chairs. Here you go. I'm going to feed you. <laughs> this is how I make my French. He gave me his recipe for his French fries. It's a five-day process. No one has that patience. He's like, well, I take the potatoes and I skin them and then I let them sit and I dry and then I put them in ice water for a day and then I cut them, put them back in the ice water and I bring them out, I towel them off. I fry them at 300 degrees for eight minutes just to get the cook through and then I, I put them back in the cold but not freeze and I lay them out I put the salt and I brush them with duck fat. And then we wait. And then I take the eight French fries that are $22 and I bring them together and then I fry them at you know, 500 degrees, whatever it is, for two minutes to get it crispy on the outside because it's already been cooked on the inside. And that duck fat creates this seal. And that's why you love your French fries. <laughs> the fuck I, uh, happened? Can yeah. I just get some more? I mean, I want to ask for more, but after he told me what he just yeah, went through yeah, to make... I'll just take another taco, I guess. Uh, I'll just have the, uh, I'll have the mutton and I, uh, mutton, lettuce, and tomato. When the mutton's nice and lean, the tomatoes are nice and perky. That's from a place of bride, anyway. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a, but no, it's, it's, I mean, and people here, they're like, well, and I'm just like, you guys, but my brother took care of Hubert Keller. They were friends. They took care of one another. They had respect for one another. Sure. Even though my brother wasn't the big wig that Hubert Keller is as a chef in the chef world, doesn't matter. There was just this common respect because he knew how to be respectful to people. And all that said, because you see the growth and the fall in Goodfellas of one thing. There's like a lack of this respect of, of some certain ways. We don't dabble in drugs. We move products, right? We beat the shit out of people. We pay That's off cops. This is what we do. Cigarettes, whatever falls off a truck accidentally. That's hey. right. And then all of a sudden you got, you know, uh, these other guys are grabbing pills and Coke and they're moving shit. Like, look at how much more money we're making. And the old That's school right. guys are like, hey, no, it's not. If you bring this into our neighborhood, it destroys the family. That's right. And then you have guys like Frankie Carbone. You got Jimmy two times. I had a guy, a buddy of mine, he's... We, we kept them obvious. So it's a long night. We get up. We say, oh, we're going to meet for breakfast. We knock on the door. My buddy and I were standing there. I could, we could hear him on the phone. Wait, hold on a sec. Who is it? It's Jason. Where are you? No. I'm on the other side of the door, Joe. <laughs> And then you hear him giggle. And then you're like, that's one of those moments that you're like, where am I? And I'll be sitting there. 
What do you got there? The paper? Yeah. Are you looking at No, no. I was, I was baking a cake, Joe. Really? Like Joe. That, the, the constant ball busting. Joe, how many uh, times you get slapped in the back of the head? You got CTE? What do you got, Joe? Come on, Joe. We got Joe. Oh, holy shit. Well, we'll do that all the time. We're doing text today. Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will. But I've got a, a, you know, that's the other thing that uh, it's that that camaraderie that goes where you don't have to see someone face to face because it's just, you know, each other. I mean, you're texting back and forth. My buddy, Johnny Z, he moved up to Chicago. He's moving up to Chicago. And I was like, hey, you got a bulletproof vest. Can we do a GoFundMe for you? Like, what? you got a gun? I'll be on the north side. I'm like, okay, so you're a pussy. So uh, you want some more pink shirts? Like, what do you need from me? <laughs> He's like, this is my going away party. This is it. Pink. <laughs> yes. I wore pink the other day. I posted it on Facebook. I went out. I bought a new pink shirt. Pink! It's pink! I did it! I did it. Look. Got the That's world. it. Fantastic. Pink wolf on top of my head. Classy. Very classy, nice. Classy, classy. Uh, Nappy, what, you, you've got the, the Vegas vacations. You've got the weekends with the guys. You, do you golf? Um, do you do uh, oh, pool or anything I, like that? I am a, a landscaper's nightmare. I, uh, I am dividend. I, <laughs> I like it. And then I'm good for about 12 holes. Okay. By the 15th hole, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm like, all right. I'm bored. I want to get the hell out of there. Everyone wants to do that. And I always say every year, you know what? I'm going to make some time. I'm going to go out to the golf course. I'm going to do it. And I just, I have no patience for it. I'd just rather, you know, either go to the gym or go to lay in the pool and just relax or just, you know, bullshit with the guys. And going out, it's it's a sickness. I know it sounds pathetic, but going out and having a couple of scotches, to me, it's just having it's the best thing in the world. I mean, I, you know, I, I did this series of podcasts of like, these are my friends. These are the people I know. I, I I'm so honored. I can't believe it. It's so right. much fun. And to uh, have these conversations and do this is because bars are closed here. I can't go out and grab a drink. I usually record this podcast at a bar in downtown Austin. Do you? Yeah. And the bar owner, the poor bar owner, I mean, this guy, he wakes up early you come in, he's fucking sweating every time because he's trying to get the bar clean for me first. I've got a guest coming in. Like, who do you got in? I'm like, oh, I got the number one roller derby girl in Austin. He's like, Jesus Christ. Like, okay, fine, great. What kind of cocktails do you guys need? Like, let's get everything going. Boom, 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 boom. All of that. So I love, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I love that camaraderie and what it is. And I'm like you, like, I don't, <clears throat> I golf for work, which is once a year. And then if I'm invited to a charity invitational. and. Right. Uh, I did like the George Lopez celebrity invitational. And so it's me and a couple of celebs and, a, you know, and they're good golfers. And I'm just, so we're out there. I got a buddy of mine, a young actress, this guy from CSI and his wife who became my very, very good friend, Vanessa Marceau, who used to be on Vegas. She was yeah. the hostess, the little uh, Hispanic woman. Yeah. 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 Um, she's got a beautiful home that she lets me stay at when I'm in LA on top of uh on top of um, um, Mulholland that overlooks both LA right. and the Valley. Beautiful pool. Just, I mean, she's so generous. She's a wonderful human being, but we're out golfing. This guy's a prick because he wants, you know, the CSI guy's a prick because he wants to win. And the other guy with us, yeah, her husband at the time, just an asshole. Uh -huh. And the other guy who's coming in, he's the grandson to the guy who created Corona beer. 
Oh. And I make one joke. I'm like, you'd think for a guy who owns Corona, I could get a cold beer around here. Jesus Christ. Jesus, this is embarrassing. He gets on his little phone. You're ashamed of yourself. Boop, boop, boop. Hole three, a new golf cart comes out and behind it is a wagon. And in that wagon is a hundred Coronas on ice. <laughs> he looks at me, he's like, are you happy? I'm like, I'm very happy. All right. That's, that's good. I'm not, I mean, uh, our caddy drinks scotch. Obviously, this is not for him, which is kind of rude. Really? Really? Ridiculous. Be, behind us, golfing behind us, is Tony LaRusa uh -huh. and John Rocker. <laughs> so we had partied with Rocker the night before, who is still as racist as can be. Oh. Just so he hits, so we're doing tequila shots. Next morning, we're out there. They're behind us. He hits a ball up on us. I step it into the dirt. As, as, you, I, should. I, as I should. As you should. He's still in fighting shape. He's about 8% body fat. He's like 6'6". Right. Six, six. Still a mullet. Still uh -huh. a mullet. Right. <laughs> and I will. I go, hey, John, you fucking roll a ball up like this on me again. I'm going to Nancy Kerrigan you. That's it. Right in the knee. He grabs me by the back of the neck. And he goes, my fucking head hurts because of you. If you talk to me again, I'm going to beat you into the dirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Fair. I mean, both are valid points. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's all right. I'll uh, let that go this time. And, uh, I'm going to reevaluate my comments. Right. He gets a little boozy, borrows, borrows some Coronas from, uh, from our stash. I have a little, have one or two. Yeah, have sure. one or two, please, by all means. And by yeah. the end of the night, you know, we're at the... Uh, we're mm -hmm. at the party and then we're at Chateau Marmont and drinking some more and having a good right. time and fucking around. And to this day, it's just, it's, you know, I bumped into uh, LaRusse once and I go, hey, uh, Mr. LaRusse, it's uh, Jason Jepson. We met once at the Celebrity Golf Tournament. You were, uh, you were uh, caddied up with uh, John Rocker. He goes, yeah, I remember the event. Sorry, I don't remember you. He goes, call me Tony. I'm like, yes, sir. And he slaps me and he goes, I said, call me Tony. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of a story. So I'm in Baltimore and I'm at a tow truck insurance convention. All of us go to them. They're great. Oh yeah. Guys. A lot of fun. A lot of lot lizards. They're like, what are we doing? Wow. That was some. So I said, I got to get the hell out of here, man. I got to get a nice meal. I, and I find out there's a little Italy in Baltimore. Oh, hello. So they said, let's walk down here. Keep walking this way, make a left, and you'll walk. Okay, good. So I start walking down. And I'm trying to find a nice Italian restaurant. Just me. I just I don't want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. I start walking down. I see this Mama Del standing on the porch, you know, just in the house dress. You know what I mean? And I'm chins, the mole right about here. I said, this woman may know what's going on. I said, hey, I'm looking for a great place to eat. You know, anyway, she goes, I got a place. My son owns a place. You're going to love it. Go down here, this way, this. Okay. I go there, and it's not what I was looking for. The neon signs, the black and white tile is all bright. I'm like, all right, I'll have a drink. I just had a drink and my scotch. I said, I'm going to sneak out of here. All right. Start walking out of there. It's now, it's really dark out. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I have no idea what this area is about. 
all of a sudden, there it is. There's this old man in a bathrobe, shuffling, walking, in a hat like mine, just sitting there, just walking. This guy's gonna know where to go. So I go over to the old man and I said, hi, sir, listen, I'm looking for a great place to, to eat. He goes, you want a good place? All right, you're gonna go down here, you're gonna make a left, and you're gonna go about 15 paces, you're gonna go to the right. So I start, you're gonna go down here, he goes, put your hand down. Put your hand down. I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, so I said, I'm gonna go down here, make a left, and make 15 paces, go to the right? Yeah. So I said, and then what? And he goes, and then you're gonna go over here. All right, so what I'm gonna do it. What did I just say to you? What did I just say? You're gonna put your freaking hand down, for Christ's sake. Oh, I'm, I, 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 <laughs> right, uh, it, my apologies, sir, I didn't mean that, okay. So now I find the place, Da Mimos. You walk in, ceilings about this high, red velvet, gold. You see the pictures on the wall, Sinatra, Dean Martin, Peter Lord, all the biggies, you know, Jerry Vale, all on the wall. I go over to the bar with the, the leather ledge with the button top, oh. right? Dark. So I said, all right, I said, I'm just gonna have a drink, I'm gonna get a bite. Yeah, sure, whatever table you want. I said, how about that one? Oh, not that one. <laughs> no, that's that one's reserved. Okay, I'm gonna sit right next to that one then. Okay. I order the seafood tower. I order a bottle of fucking, uh, what was it, a Barola? I, I was so happy. I'm like, you just oh, got a big bottle of red. You're just, you're red. ready to go. And I order, they're known for their veal chops. So I ordered the veal chops. And now I hear, it's tough to see, but it's because it's so dark in this corner. This couple has shuffled their way in there. And I'm listening to me. It's like, ooh, you look so fucking hot tonight. Oh. Oh, I couldn't wait to see you. And I'm like, oh, I got to see this. I have to fucking, and I'm trying not to, and I'm enjoying my drink. I'm enjoying everything. All of a sudden, she goes, oh, this is, you're so fine. Listen, I'm just going to go to the bathroom for a second. I'll be right there. This woman gets up. If she was maybe 260 pounds, <laughs> it was a <laughs> shuffling all over this guy's got you know the sh nothing up top he's got the hair here the hair in the ears and they're going to town on each other and now i can't stop laughing oh I'm three sheets to the wind i'm laughing i'm calling the guys crying eating this crying drinking laughing it was the best meal of my entire life listening to those two having words next to me they're talking like they're going and they, they were the whole, most homeliest people you've ever met in your entire life it was the greatest there's nothing better to me than making a situation funnier than because uh, if they were hot it'd be a different story if yeah like, All right yeah but seeing these two what's going to go on later on good you didn't shave your back this week. Oh, I'm gonna you. I'm gonna heads. There was I was on a flight. It used to be a part of the Bisbee Black and Blue, the richest fishing tournament in the world. Five million bucks. 
for the person who catches the biggest marlin over three days. Oh. My favorite group was a group of guys out of Chicago. They were called the 10 Brothers, and they were all 10 construction workers who had their own construction companies in Chicago. Hey. <laughs> hey. Maybe, maybe a lot of them were from the East Coast a little farther over. Hey. But, they, were, but they, they brought me into their crew. They loved me. They gave me a shirt. Uh, we had, I'd party with them. I got on their boat once, and they just had like a little, little tiny pyramid of cocaine. And I was like, guys, here's the deal. You've paid off the cops, obviously, because you have all of this. I have not. So when the cops raid this place, I'm the only one that goes to jail. I'm like, Jay, we would never let that happen to you. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Ever. Who's like, right. <laughs> well, he got it for us. Right. He's our mm-hmm. diver. You can take him. Uh, but so we're there, we're hanging out, we're having a good time. I'm a flight down in Alaska Airlines back in the day. If you got when in early, what's that? This is when? Uh, this is, let's see, uh, 2008. Mm-hmm. So Alaska Airlines, if you got in early, like right when you checked in, if there was a, if there was a first class seat available, you could upgrade for 50 bucks. Oh, I went on one of those. Oh, hold on. Let me just break. Please, please. For Vegas, and they said that, nine of us. It was out of 10 guys. Nine of us got it. So there we are. And this guy's paying paid a thousand bucks for these seats, and we're all sitting there drinking like animals at 10 o'clock in the morning. And the guy's like, what the hell is going on here? Jesus Christ. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to work. My free Wi-Fi up in first class. I had no idea. Poor bastards. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. So I get in. I get my seat. This lady sits. I'm always like, oh, I'm going to get first class. I'm going to meet the next, you know, billionaire. I'm going to work for that person. This elderly woman sits next to me and she does arts and crafts for, um, you know, kids without parents in Cabo. Well, I'm like, great. Great. Terrific. Then this guy comes in and he's a mountain. He's a monster of a human being. He maybe has my daughter's shirt on. It's a kid small, just barely gets over his rib cage. He's got short shorts on and then like military boots on. Hello. It's, sits down right in front of us. And then his girl wearing the same outfit, only smaller, with huge tits, right, right. like Fs, sits down. They're like, can we get a blanket? Sure. Flight takes off. I'm like, if I'm gonna need a fucking beer, I can't hear any more sad stories from this lady. What do you do? And then I'm like, well, she goes, I, and I'm like, oh, you just want to tell me about your mother Teresa moment. Fuck, I'm going to need a cocktail. I'm going to paper cut my eyes at some point in time. In the middle of one of her stories, I hear, oh, oh, no, fuck me harder, harder. They're reviewing their porn that they just got made. They're porn stars. They're coming down for a beach shoot, but they want to make sure they've got the angles right when they fuck. Right. So they're reviewing their last film. So now you're standing over the chair. What, <laughs> what do we got here? What is this? So, you know, first class, this, the space in between the seats is like a foot. Mm-hmm. So I'm just watching. I'm just like, oh. well, good form on her. Oh, Don't need to see as much of him. Yeah, he could yeah. lift less weights. Good job. Oh. Some savage from Coach hears this because they have the volume up too loud and complains. And then the st- <laughs> that's when he's 
Come here. I'm going to get you in the back for a second. I'm going to kick the fuck out of you. You know what you just did? You ruined it for everyone. Because this old lady next to me, I'm about to digit her. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to get it. Good. She's, gonna, oh. she's not going to make it off this plane. No. Those kids are going to have to find a new Mimo. That's it. It's got to go. She's got to learn how to tell different stories outside of arts and crafts with poor kids. That's all. Mm -hmm. It's super simple. So they get shut down. They're like, can you turn the volume down? I'm like, I think we have a headset. And the lady's like, I don't think you can be. And this is, I mean, old school, right? They've got the DVD player. Flip the thing up. Mm -hmm. Just. That's I'm like, like, I don't care if they watch it. I so, think <laughs> airlines ever. This is the greatest airlines, Alaska Air. Let's, let's plug them a little more. Let's plug them a little more for their courtesy in flying porn stars places. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. So we get off, we get done, we're all hanging out, and I see them in Cabo. And I'm like, what's up, you guys? And the guy's like, oh? I'm like, uh, you sat in front of me, and I got to uh, watch uh, part of your movie that you guys made together. Congratulations. Great form. Great job, both of you. Um, and uh, it's, it's really interesting how you mix acting and not acting at the same time. You guys look in love now. I don't know which is acting, which is not. So congratulations. I've got these 10 brother fishermen around me and all these other guys are like, this guy's, I'm not, I mean, all of us can't take him, Jay. He's a psychopath. He looks like he's on God knows what. He's got veins pulsing everywhere. This lady looks like she's on something for sure because she's dead in the eyes. What are you doing? And I go, oh, we were on a flight together. <laughs> One of the guys grabs me and he goes, great. He doesn't find you funny. Let's go. <laughs> I just am on a business trip from Utah. Utah. Oh, Utah. You ever run in Utah? Well, there I am. I, I said, can I get the bottle of Jergens and some hand towels? So I get this. And they don't, it's like the old, when Playboy just came out. Oh, it's Jesus. Not from the satellite, so you can hardly see. And then when it just gets to the good stuff, it ends. Yep. There I am. Now I'm, I get another one. And then another one, and nothing's happening. I'm like, horrible. This is awful. So now I'm standing. We, we just fly back to JFK. And I hear a little buzz what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, look who's there. Look who's there. It's the one. Paul Giamatti. So I see Paul Giamatti. So I said, um, what do I do? So I walk over. How long have you been standing here? I'm here for a half hour. This is crazy. He goes, I'm here 40 minutes. I go, get out of here. I said, you know what also lasts 40 minutes? Porn in Utah. He goes, what? I go, <laughs> you rented porn in Utah? It's the worst experience in your entire life. He goes, I've been here. It's not good. I go, it's, awful. <laughs> it's awful. Don't ever waste your money doing that. <laughs> I said, <"Listen." laughs> And all these things, I said, I said, are you here for a play? <laughs> no, and that was right before we started Billions. Oh, I, shit. Uh, I said, when you did this, you know, when you did Adams, it was really, because oh, usually probably everybody talks about private parts and stuff like that. I said, no, when you did Adams, how you learn those lines, it was, I thought it was just amazing. So I think you're one of our treasured actors. So, oh, man, thanks a lot. You're terrific. And I just never, ever rented it. And I walked away. Ah, <laughs> can I? Leave them hanging. Leave me. And by the way, sir, don't rent porn in Utah. 
Never. Never. My cheeks are hurting. That yeah, is. Do you like, do you like that show, Billions? Love it. Love, love, love that show. This season, a little, I'm getting a little, uh, like, why is now the therapist involved with Taylor's whole thing? And she, yeah. I, I don't get that part, but, but I do love it. I, I think it's uh, well acted. Matter of fact. Is he still, I, I haven't, no, I've, I've only watched a, uh, a couple this season, but my, one of my favorite parts of it is that, that nervous thing that Paul Giamatti does. He's got the kid and he's, we're going to go get donuts or, you know, he's like, you know, from, from season one, he's still got that, like, I'm going to sneak, the sneak away from the wife thing that he does is it makes me nervous. It brings me angst. It is such great acting. Terrific. It's in the eyes. It's in the whole thing. So I'm watching one of those episodes and it was the episode where he fires the guy who he brought back, but he fires the guy in front of everybody. And mm -hmm. uh, the therapist now goes to his home to talk to him. It's this huge mansion. And I'm like, I've been there. My wife goes, well, what are you talking about? You've been like, I swear to God, I've been to that house. And she's like, get out of here. And also now I go through my phone and I hit pause and I go, look, and it's the exact same house, the exact same shot. It was Chaz Palminteri's house. So I'm, I was president of a local chapter of Unico, which is an Italian American organization. A buddy of mine, he won a raffle and the raffle was to have dinner with Chaz Palminteri at his home. So he brings all of us. Hey Chaz. Wow. <laughs> So now, all of us with no necks walking into this house. <laughs> he thought it was going to be one of those things, you get a couple of drinks and that's it, you get him the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. And his wife was played Mary in uh, Last Temptation of Christ. So now we go in, she starts pouring the Johnny Blue, but she's pouring it. I'm like, whoa, take it easy, lady. What do you think this is? She's pouring it. Like, hi, the last like, temptation of Christ, oh, son. Right, here you go. And she's got that wheel of cheese, you know, scooping oh, yeah. at that little thing. And, I'm like, and then he comes down the stairs. And you don't realize how tall this guy is. I mean, he's huge. Chaz so, Palmeteris? He's huge? Yeah, huge. So now we're walking around. So he sits at his head of the table. And I start doing, um, I did it, um, Googled him and, and looked all the stuff up. So he starts telling stories. <laughs> so he's telling the story how when he was younger, I said, so was that when you were a bouncer at this club? He goes, yeah, as a matter of fact, it was. Uh -huh. And he starts telling that story. Hey, was that when you just wrote it for the first time and you were looking in the mirror? And he goes, yeah, it was. And then he's telling another, and was that another time when you did the, he goes, are you with the FBI or something? I said, <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> he starts laughing. That was it. So next thing you know, they start bringing out food and everything. But my contact pops out of my eye. I don't know what the hell's going on. His wife and I are under the table looking for my contact. Swear to God, for about 20 minutes. She's like, what the hell's going on under there? I said, well, I can't follow my contact, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making him laugh while I'm looking for it. We get around. Now we're drinking more. We're telling more stories. Next thing you know, Jason, come here. We start, and he takes me to his wine cellar. Oh, 
you know, we go down to his wine cellar. Now he starts picking bottles out. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. We drink all of them. Next thing you know, it's one one thirty in the morning. We got the limo out front waiting for us. It was just the great. He goes, you guys, I didn't think I was going to have this much fun. This is unbelievable. Like, uh-huh, now you just can't leave. <laughs> it was perfect. It's perfect. It was one of the greatest nights. Laughed our asses off all night. Love that. I love, you know, the, those are the nights where <clears throat> people hear these stories, right? And uh, mm-hmm. they're like, well, you know, I'm, and what, uh, what I think they forget, right? what I think a lot of people forget, whether they're with their friends or there's someone famous around them or their boss is around them, whatever it may be, what they forget is they forget to be themselves in some capacity. Never. And and as soon as they do that, right, that, that moment, that opportunity, it leaves because you're not yourself. You're not genuine. You're not yourself. I always joke around with my boss. He has this beautiful, beautiful Bentley. Mm-hmm. So I go to see him. And we're at the office. He goes, let's go get lunch. I'm like, let's go get lunch. Perfect. I get in the back of the car. I'm like, I would like to go someplace nice. <laughs> I think you should. As you should. He goes, he goes, get the fuck in the front seat of the car. I was like, mm-hmm. uh, sir, can we please go to lunch? He's like, uh, Jason, front seat, let's talk. I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about business right now. I'd like to enjoy my ride, please, sir. Uh, how does the TV work back here? And I start pushing all these buttons. I'm just fucking around. Love it. He's just like, asshole. I swear to God, I'm like you're the one who brought the fancy car. We could have taken the Dodge Caravan that I rented from Avis for twenty-two dollars a day. Shot, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Did you want? Hey, you got the you got the parking spot. You got the little placard that says it's you. Great. That shows you're the best driver, and that shows that That's I can. <laughs> now I'm in a meeting. We're in Atlanta. My boss and I go fly down to Atlanta for this big deal. So it's a CFO, HR director and the two of us. And he goes, we're going to take you some real nice down-home cooking. So we go to this place, and they're serving fried green tomatoes and all this other shit. And like, oh, this is terrific. So you're like, where's the Italian Atlanta? Right? I'm the only one. (laughs) And we get there. We go back to the place, uh, to the office. And he goes, you know what? I said, we got a flight. He goes, I'll drive you. So he drives up in his nice Lexus. So we get in there, and I sit in the back. And all of a sudden, the fried green tomatoes start hitting me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I'm like, and now I start sweating. I'm sweating. I'm like, um, excuse me. I um, w- Would you mind um, finding a uh, wrist stop for a second or a bathroom somewhere? Yeah. Uh, okay, fine. And I'm <laughs> running. Like, I thought I was Steve Austin running to the bathroom. I get in there. I think they found Hoffa because everything came flying out of me and I couldn't get up a half hour, Jason. I'm sitting there for a half hour. I'm dripping. You know when those that type of bathroom things oh, yeah. you have to get naked because you're not I'm getting I'm in a, like a, a bathroom. If anyone saw me naked, they would have been like, What the hell is going on in here? Naked. I get back in White as a ghost. I get back in the car. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you so much. I feel I'm so embarrassed. 
five minutes, start driving. Oh no. Oh my. There's more? Oh, sir, um, would you mind? Um, really? Yeah, 40 minutes. Uh, everything I ever ate in my entire life, my life, came, I actually saw Jesus. I saw Jesus. I couldn't believe what was happening. I couldn't, he goes, we're not going to make you fly. And I go, I don't care. Just run me over, please, God. We Kill get to, I made it. We made it right on time. It was the worst experience. I still got the deal. Still got the deal. But I got, he was brutal to me for the next year. But sign me shit all over his car. <laughs> I will, so I will tell you my, this is my favorite story. My wife, she's, not giving me permission, but I've told it so much. She's like, hey, just tell everybody this story. Fine, just embarrass me. <laughs> so uh, we, um, my mom being married so many times, my eclectic background of stepdads and brothers and sisters and everything else, right? I, uh, and then her background and her family's from Kentucky, from the holler where if I bring a beer in there, it's like, why would you bring Satan into this living room? Have you tried moonshine? Here you go, we don't drink alcohol but we do drink moonshine. That makes sense. So we go to Thailand for our wedding. So we fly to Thailand. We're in Bangkok. Uh, we go up to Chiang Mai. What's that? You and your wife fly yep. to Bangkok. We go, we're going we're gonna to get married on the beaches of Thailand, but we're going to spend a couple days in Bangkok. We're going to spend a week in Chiang Mai up in the mountains with the elephants. Oh. And we're going to go down to the islands and we're going to, you know, let's get married on the beach. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about it driving around this moped on the island of Koh Samui, and we find a guy from Texas that's Asian, that speaks English, that will marry us the next day for $25. Did you talk him down to 20? I talked him down, my wife talked him down to 15. Okay, good. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm like, sure, that sounds great, here you go. She's like, She's like, no, 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 no. Listen, God's going to take care of you. You take care of us. It's going to be 15. <laughs> so we do this. We tell the resort. We're like, hey, we're going to get married on the, on the beach. Uh, we had met this great couple from India that had just gotten married. And they, you know, they've got their Indian traditions of how they get married, all this stuff. Rohit comes over to me. He goes, hey, man, I've never seen a Western wedding. Can I watch? I'm like, absolutely. Dude, please. So he's watching. He's like, where's the music? I go, what music? He goes, the, the bride. The da, 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 da. I'm like, uh, well, they don't have the hookup for my phone, so I can't, I'm not able to play it. He goes, I know that part. So all he knows is da 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 and then stops and then starts over again. My wife's like half a mile away. So this poor guy's just doing it. The breeze is blowing, her hair is beautiful, the dress is flowing. She's walking slow and he's like, how many fucking times? So he's, he's also, I said, I want to do a shoot at the pool. He goes, I've got it. He, this guy kicks everyone out of the pool. He's a guest at the hotel. He's like, if you get in this fucking pool, I'm going to blow you up. I'm going to kill you all. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this Indian guy's crazy. I thought they were nice. I thought you were fucking Gandhi. He's like, don't fuck up my friend's wedding. Don't you dare do it. So we do the wedding on the beach. We get done. And I go, babe, if you don't mind, I want to do something special for Rohit. She's like, so it's just the two of you, no family, no nothing. Just, wow. Two of us. So I'm, I want to do something special for Rohit. I hope you don't mind. She's like, 
uh, it's on our wedding day. Yeah, do something special for someone else. I'm like, no, no, trust me, it's gonna be great. Get the wedding license from Thailand, obviously not legit here. Right. Uh, and I go, hey, I need a witness. Rohit, will you sign this? And he tears up. He's like, you want me to sign this? I'm like, will you please sign it? I need a witness. He signs it. And then we finally do our, our final shoot where we're jumping in the pool. And the pool is perfectly flat perfectly flat like there's not a ripple in the pool he's blocked wind i mean there's not a ripple boom the sun's shining off it perfect we eat dinner we change we eat dinner on the beach we have this like eight course meal with with eight courses of different wines and booze and all this stuff right we're having a great time go back to the hotel room she comes out she's got this beautiful lingerie on we are consummating our marriage she's like get off i'm like i'm trying she goes no Get off. <laughs> get off me. No. Oh my. Get off. Well, Thailand, on the beaches, the bottom floors are all concrete because of the monsoons and the water. You just got to rinse that shit out. And there's no wood. And the doors have a space of about a foot <laughs> above from the door. So there's no ceiling. So concrete, no soundproofing an explosive diarrhea for my poor wife. Violent, explosive diarrhea at a level that you cannot understand. On your wedding day. So I hear it going off. I turn on a documentary about the building of the Great Wall of China, China. in, in, um, in uh, Dolby. Thai subtitles. <laughs> in Dolby, in Thai right. subtitles with Korean mm. write-overs, right? And like, I, got, I got seven languages all over this fucking documentary. Not, not loud enough. Not loud enough. No. Then, after about 30, 40 minutes, I hear, and the outside shower's on. And then the lingerie's on, and she comes back, and she goes, hey. I'm like, we can do this tomorrow. We'll do this <laughs> We need a fire hose, okay? That's what, get away from me, hey. Hey, uh, get away. <laughs> so... We end up, so a couple days later, we're still at the beach. Rohit and his wife have left. We meet this Greek couple. We're hanging out. The guy and I love to drink beers. And beer is cheaper than Red Bull. It's cheaper than water there. Beer is the cheapest thing you can get there. So we are running back and forth to the store. We're buying two six-packs. So buy one six-pack, put it in the fridge, buy another six-pack, bring it to the beach. And the, you drink three beers, they get warm. You're like, fuck it, who cares? They're a dollar for a six-pack. So you're like, okay, well, I'll just, I mean, I can put it in the fridge or I can just leave it here. It's a dollar. I don't care. Who cares? So we're going back and forth and the wives are laughing hysterically. We're just drinking beers and they're laughing. I'm like, what are you guys laughing at? They're like, look, we look to our right and there's two guys. And they're in, and one guy's laying down on the beach with no shorts on, belly down, ass up. The other guy is out in the water and he's, body surfing waves in so he lands and slides with the body current right in between his legs and like you would motorboat some boobs he motorboats his boyfriend's ass oh, <laughs> and then jumps up and they switch and they jump up and they switch oh that's wonderful and i was like they're having a great time like they don't fucking care they're having a and i was dying because i'm like laughing howling howling I thought the monkey boxing was going to be funny. No, 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 no. Two dudes motorboating each other's ass was the funniest thing I saw on my honeymoon. It was the funniest thing. 
That's the best. <laughs> All right. My friend, this was something else. I had Did so you much- like this? I love this. We had two hours, brother. Two hours is wonderful. Two hours like- of just chatting, mm-hmm. kind of bringing back a little good fellas, kind of leaving it alone, That's having it. fun, sharing stories. This is what it's about. You pick another movie, I'm in. Dude, thank you. I got, I got goosebumps when you said that, my friend. Um, it's all obviously, I mean, we chat online uh, back and forth, obviously. Uh, we watch each other. Uh, I get the privilege to watch your family and you. And you guys got to do. But um, I need to figure out how I can expense a trip to New York to kind of come spend some Please. time. Please, anytime. Let me know. So now, I'll, let me know how I can tell my friends to listen to this online. I'll shoot you. I'll shoot you the links. So it's on everything. It's on Apple, uh, Google, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the things. Um, but I will. I'll shoot you the, the links to all those things so you can share them in the email. But thanks for this. I really appreciate it. I know you got to call mom and dad. Oh, you got to call. Go to bed. Oh yeah, fucking chat your ear The lead runs are on in five minutes, so I got to make sure. You got to make sure. And uh, Kathy was so excited. She wanted me to tell you thank you. I love her. She's the best, man. So freaking funny. The best. But you are too, my friend. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I want to close with this. Two things, right? I want to say one thing, and then I want to I want you to give your word of advice. But one thing is, um, I say this a lot because I really do mean it. We will make and lose money. We will uh, we'll buy an avocado. We'll think it's ripe. It's not ripe. We'll wait for it to be ripe, and it'll be bad. And we'll go buy another one. It's just it, bananas go bad. We just go buy more. But time is the one thing we don't get back. And mm-hmm. so it really is an honor that you spent this much time with me uh, just chatting. It really is. It's very enjoyable. My cheeks still hurt, but uh, it, means, it means the world to me for that. That mm-hmm. said, before my daughter sings about the first time she took a shit, um, as, a, as a dad, as a father who has um, been scared through, through things that have happened, and we now are in a world where people are perpetually feeling scared. What is your word of advice that allows them to overcome that? What is your word of advice that, 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 that what you went through that, that allowed you to look at the positive and know that things were going to get better? It's funny you say that because, well, first of all, thank you again for allowing me to be on this. Um, I had a lot of fun and I'm really proud of you. For, thank you. Uh, making this all happen. Um, I remember I had a tough time when my, my daughter was born. And when my daughter was born, my ex-wife was in preeclampsia. And it was something I could, couldn't control. And I remember that two things happened the night because you're sitting there all night long. One thing, Carol O'Connor died from all in the family. Oh, dear. And then the other thing was that woman who drowned her five kids. Oh, yeah. Tub. And I'm like, what the hell, you know, could make somebody do that? Could, could I do something like that? Is that something that would make me, you know, can I freak out? Because I've never had anybody rely on me for the first time in my life. I've always relied, you know, helped others, but nobody's ever relied on me. And I started going through like this really dark place saying, I'm scared of who I'm going to become. Can I? And a lot of it was because of self-confidence. I didn't think I could do what I thought I can do and be a father be a provider, be that guy for a, for a baby girl. And it, I remember talking to people and they're like, listen, in years from now, or six months from now, you're going to laugh at this. You're going to think back at this and think like all that fear that you had was just a waste of time. 
it was a waste of time and you have to have more confidence in yourself and know that you're going to get past all that. You're going to be able to, you're going to be that great dad. You're going to be able to change the diapers. You're going to be able to do the feedings at two in the morning. You're going to be able to make her laugh and be there when she cries. And once you have the confidence in yourself, you're going to make things happen. And that exa that's exactly what happened. And things will get better. They always do get better. It's just, there's a dark time. And then once you get past that, you, you see the light. And I'm, some people may see that in religion. Some people may see that at the bottom of a barrel, of a, of a bottle, but over time, <laughs> come out of that too. And then they, 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 they get to the place where they need to be. I'll tell you, I know, I'm sure with COVID, a lot more people started drinking more than they've ever had in their entire lives to help them, you know, decompress and help them get, but in the end, because they sometimes felt like a lot of this pressure was overwhelming. So they needed something to take care of it, but they know in the end, they're going to get out of that dark place and, and be the person who they know that they are. And I think that's, that's something that I think everybody should, you know, look in the mirror and say, Am I doing the best job I can? Am I treating others the way I would want to be treated? And if you could put your head on the pillow, things will go straight ahead. That's beautiful, and that's, it's the peace. That's beautiful. Well, thank you again for the time, brother. I love you. I really do. Love you. Best. Mwah. Give the best Mwah. to mom and dad, please. Joel. And uh, thank you, brother. Yeah. Thanks Talk again. Talk soon. Take care. All right, bye. -bye. bye. Thank you.